Good afternoon, good evening, good morning to everyone. This is the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Faduba and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and colleague Steve Wiss. We are also joined by a very special guest. Uh, he makes an appearance every couple, every every now and then, let's say. I think it might be appearance number four for uh, yes. the and current Flint Tonsberg manager, all the way from Norway, Mr. Sean Constable. Uh, I'll introduce yeah. you first. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. I hope you uh, both had a good Christmas. I did. Yeah, and uh, Steve, how are you? Jonathan and Sean, it's great to see you. And, um, you know, we just had Tom Dent on on the show and uh, oh, Sean realised that we, you know, he needed to get back his appearance number for the record. <laughs> so uh, it's great to have him on board. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. So yeah. the plan for this po- podcast is um going to ask Sean a few questions. He's been out in Norway now for quite a long time, haven't you, Sean? Yeah. So, um, Certainly have, yeah. Well, since we last had you on the show, which was about two years ago, I think now. Mm, yeah. Um, your journey yeah. and what you've been up to. Mm. I know you've been quite yeah. busy in the way. Yeah. Um, I was obviously I was in Bromapoikinum, and I think the last time you spoke to me. Um, and then I came uh, came back to Norway and I was in a team called Moss FCO. Um, so I was there for about nine months, and then there was a slight difference of opinion, and I moved on. Um and then uh, I had a little bit of time to think, and then I got offered, actually offered a job. It's my old sports director, actually, at, uh, at Sunnyfield Football, called Ronnie Homodod. Um, and he's the sports director at Flint. And at the time, they were in their fourth division. It's like fifth level in Norway, so pretty low. But uh, Flint, I think we're the ninth biggest club in Norway. We've got 1,350, nearly 1,400 kids in our academy. So we've got a really big youth department. And the idea was just to go there and maybe, uh, I don't know, do something different, build build a club. from uh, and, and they're very well run. They just needed some professionalism, I think, in terms of like being someone ahead of the club. Uh, Ronnie is the sports director and, and I'm actually a full-time employee with one of the Dugger leaders. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good, great little club, actually. Oh. So it's sort of local to, local to you, you would say. Yeah, and, uh... 35 minutes away, yeah. How have you found it then? Because obviously since leaving Moss, uh, it seems like the hmm. kids are kind of a big part of the club, like you just mentioned there. How yeah. has you been at the club? What were the big priorities when you joined? And, and how, how did your season go? Uh, yeah, we, we did amazing. We, we, we got promoted this year. Uh, we won our league, uh, uh, which was not easy because unfortunately somebody in our club made a mistake with the uh, yellow cards. <laughs> so we got deducted three points. <laughs> So you can imagine I was a very happy person uh, at that time. Um, but um, no, we did really well. We won the league. Uh, we scored over 100 goals. We only conceded 16 goals in all competitions. So we did really well there. And then we played a team that has a budget of, uh, I don't know, in English, probably about 300,000. And our budget is about 50 grand. <laughs> uh, and we beat them over two legs, which was not expected at all. So the boys did amazing, I, you know. And in that game, I started with a sixteen, a sixteen-year-old right back, a eighteen-year-old centre half, and then a nineteen-year-old striker. So the boys did pretty amazing. So actually, yeah, like you say, produce, bringing the youth players up is really important inside of the club. Um, last year, we sold a player to Sanford Football for the first time. They've ever, they've never sold a player before in their history. So uh, it wasn't a lot of money, but we were trying to follow that model a little bit like uh, Bromopoikina. 
yeah, it sounds like you've, you've taken the learnings from there because obviously uh, that's, you know, from yeah. you know, <clears throat> for anyone who is a long time listener of the show, when we had you on the show last time, you, you know, we had a really good chat about their academy and yeah. the learnings and that's one of the best academies yeah. in Scandinavia, maybe. Yeah, outstanding, even, yeah. Even in Europe, so. Yeah. Is, yeah. Was that like a decision for the club to focus on youth or was it kind of you came in and you were like, I want to implement what I've learned from Bromo and other places? Yeah, I, they definitely brought me in because they know that I'm a development coach as well as, you know, developing myself as a head coach. You know, uh, if you go back to Moss, you know, uh, people can say what they like about what happened in Moss, but I had the second youngest team in the league that year. So, you know, I'm, I'm one of those players now. Is uh, He's gone and played for Koffer, uh, Koffem. As a mid-stopper, he was 19 when he came to me in Moss. He's gone on and now they've gone and <laughs> come second in Old Boss and now he's going to play Elitis in football next season. So, they know I come from that background. So it was like, uh, I, I suppose it's like, you know, the hand fit in the glove, you know. Um, they bring a coach in with youth development background and developing young players um, and trying to move up through the through the gears, basically. And, you know, this club is is definitely a club that can go to Post Nord and possibly go to Obos in the next five to six years. I really believe that. And that's the reason why I'm there. That's what I was actually going to ask you, Sean, like in terms of the, um, I suppose, medium term, development plan for the club mm-hmm. you think obos is within reach at that certain at some stage with the i mean it sounds like with the size of the setup you've got you look like you're in a good location you're quite close to the torp airport aren't you so yeah that helps very. with with a lot of things i'm sure um yeah. but it's good that i mean you serious serious ambitions down there long long term long term sort of project but you can get yeah. there yeah definitely and the thing about tonsberg is you've got another club that's in the in the city called ike tonsberg um they they've amalgamated with a with another team but they ike have the history and, and they got promoted as well from the third division into post nord tonsberg is a, is a football city it's very much like fredrikstad whereas like compared to sanifjord sanifjord's like used to be very much handball and it's becoming a little bit more football and it's still split a little bit tonsberg is 100 percent football city there's lots and lots of good players come from that region. If you look at Sanifjord football, they have something like 13, 14 of our players in their youth setup. So they, they come along and take some of our best players. And my job is to keep the second, third, fourth best players instead of losing all of them, if you understand me. And and that's absolutely the plan is, you know, when I first went in, they asked me, what where, where do you want to take the club? I said, oh, boss. And they laughed. And I said, what are you laughing at? I don't think that's funny. <laughs> so they were a bit like, oi. So that's that's the plan. Um, we, we, we know that in time, we just got to be patient and make sure that the club and the team move at the same speed, you know? So the funny thing was... Promotions, how many more promotions would you need to get to Obos now? Two. It's just two. It's two more. That's, not, yeah. that's oh. not... That can happen no. very quickly. Yeah, mate, absolutely. Absolutely. And I have a team now... It's unusual. I have a team of young players where we... All these players at the same time are like going in the same direction. They're all they're all on the same movement. They're all on the same path. What I've done is, is I've worked to push push the club to put five of them on professional contracts because I'm telling you now, two of them won't be with us next season. They're they're going to be sold to Obos or Elitasi in no problem. The, the the 17 or he's just he's he's just turned 18. The 18 year old mid stopper. What a player that boy's going to be. I'm telling you, he's he's, he's quality. And he wants to learn. He's hungry. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of talent there, and there's a lot of scope for us to to develop those players. And I've got a 14 year old that trained with our first team just in December, and he is something special. I can tell you. Well done. 
well done on your on your promotion this yeah. year, mate. No, I appreciate that, man. Appreciate it. no one, no one. I promise you, mate. Nobody gave us a chance against a team called Roda, because unfortunately, you don't get automatic promotion in Vestfold and Osfold. So the two teams that win the league have to go into a playoff, um, and they're they're paying players nearly as much money as I earn as a full time coach. <laughs> so no one, everybody betted against us, and we we were magnificent, especially in the home game. Which we won four three in extra time. <laughs> yeah. Sean, you um have had a bit of history with playoffs in terms of Bromley Poikin as well, wasn't? I <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. didn't go your way. Um, no, so it's really good to see you sort of succeed yeah. and get over the line. Congratulations! And can can I can I say one thing about that? When I did it with BP, I didn't practice the penalties properly. This time. The two days before, we practiced the whole team doing it on Thursday. And on the Friday in, in, in the stadium, I got the PA system banging out loads of crowd noise and whistling and stuff like that. And I made all the players take penalties. And everybody had to take the penalty the same on Thursday and Friday. Nobody was allowed to change their minds about where they went just in case we went to penalties. <laughs> I thought I'm not making that mistake again, but we didn't go to penalties you anyway. Like but... Mick, you sound like Mikel Arteta from the Arsenal documentary when he put the sound up for going to Anfield. Mate, that's where I got it from. I'm sorry, but I, even though I'm not an Arsenal fan, but I, I took it. I thought that's a good idea. Go on, let's mm -hmm. do that then. Let's, let's, let's make these players. And, and I told them decide where you're going to go on Thursday, and that's what you're going to do on Friday, and that's what you're going to do if you get on the penalties. So we were we were really prepared, you know. Sorry, digressing. <laughs> so on on Aggregate, what was the what was the final score then? You didn't need penalties in the end, but what was five the five five four? We drew one one away, and and, and to be honest with you, we should have been five 0 down after twenty five minutes. <laughs> we, we, my goalkeeper, yeah. Well, at the end of the day, my goalkeeper made two amazing saves. We made and a ridiculous. My midstopper made a ridiculous block on the line. No one understands in the whole ground how that didn't go in. But in the second half, we came out and we played brilliant and we scored a fantastic goal and should have scored a second. But uh, we, we, won't, we won't quibble about that. But we did amazing in the second game. Tactically, tactically we, we made it very difficult for them. So, yeah, and I mean, yeah. if we look at sort of our history together, like we've become good friends mm. since uh, mm. I first met, obviously, and had you on the show. Um, mm. You know, many times you've been in Norway, you know, you've managed in, you've been at Sanderfjord, for example. You've, been, you've had quite a storied career so far. Yeah, absolutely. What say the learnings before we come on to maybe uh, your time at Moss a little bit and mm. and and the season just gone? What would you say the learnings that you've taken into this this job from all the other jobs you've had in the past? Is there anything that you've changed in your style? No, no. I, I've got. I'll tell you what I've done is from being in, in Bromopoikina to now, and my my methodology is one hundred percent written down uh, and 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 very very clear in my mind about exactly how I want to play. Um, and my training sessions reflect that, and we have we have clear uh, we have clear like words that we use inside of training that relates to how we want to play. So, if I if I use the word, uh, which is funny because I got it from a guy called uh, uh, Giro the Hero uh, from uh, from Osterson, who's a big Nigerian striker, and he used to shout all the time, "Next action, next action!" And everybody used to laugh at him. And I thought, Do you know what, I love that. We use that. We use that because. Norwegians have a tendency to, when they make a mistake, they always like, ah, oh, FIFA, and they do this thing. I think I've said that before. And we use the word next action. We'd players say it and I say it a lot. And it's just we use simple terminology. Um, and I know that it, it makes it easier for the players to understand exactly what we're going to do. But every training session, every rondo, 
every passing session, everything that we do is related to how we play. So the players are very 100% clear in what we do. So it doesn't matter if we play 3-5-2 or 4-3-3. The way we play is exactly the same. So it's not about formation. It's more about the, the, the system, but not system and how we play, but the methodology behind it, the philosophy, if you want. And the other thing is to trust my, trust my gut instincts more. So that's the big mistake I made in Moss. Can you, can you expand on that in terms of your gut instinct? Um, I was taught my brief in Moss was to play 4 3 3 because they're a, a traditional 4 3 3 club. Um, and, 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 on, and on reflection, when I look back on that, I should have played a 4 2 1 3 or 4 2 3 1, depending on how you want to put it. Um, basically, my, my number six that I had, I had two number sixes, and neither of them were mobile enough to play the way I wanted to play. I play with my four bucks very, very high, so it uh, left us exposed. We conceded too many goals. And my instinct was, you know, I should change now to four. Just just have a double pivot to give us a little bit more protection on the transitions. And I didn't lose it. I didn't do it, sorry. And consequently, I lost lost my job. Why, why is that, Sean, in, in Norway? There's, there's a lot of clubs and yeah. they've always played the same system. And whatever manager comes in, the fans, the board expect them to do it. Rosenborg's a big example of it. Yeah. If you if if you had switched to say a five three two, I know you weren't going to be five three two, but w- yeah. would it have been like outcry, that sort of thing? Or I, I think it's like everything, mate. If you win, no one no one really cares, do they? But if you lose, then they go, you should have done that. And when you do that, you lose, and you still get stick for it. You know what I mean? So I I, I you know when when I left the, the sports director, which is uh, Thomas Muller, who obviously played in goal for Norway, and he's a big character, and he took over as manager. And he changed immediately to three five two, so <laughs> it goes to show you. And he was the sports director, so everything is relevant. And he's been really successful. They ended up getting they ended up getting promoted the next season. They're playing in Obos now, so they they did a great job. They've done really really well. They play very direct football. They don't play the same way as as I want to play. But but I agree with you. It's like the same with Rosenborg as well. I I, I think the trouble is is that people shouldn't get so bogged down with systems. And they should concentrate more on how you want to play. What is your what is your the way you want to play? You know, today we watch a game with Brighton and, and uh, Tottenham. Two teams wanting to play out from the back. You've got one coach in Deserby that's had his players a little bit longer than uh, than uh, um, I can't say his name. Actually, <laughs> Ange. I'm going to call him Ange. Um, and you see, you see that actually, you know, Brighton are a little bit better at it, and that's probably because of time of working with how they want to play. So I think Rosenborg is a fantastic example because they're so stuck in their ways that they're going, they're going nowhere fast, are they? So, John, would you say that um, your learnings from Moss and and Bruno Poikina, you, you talk there in terms of you know <coughs> conscious decisions that you made to to start writing things down, to start, yeah. uh, for example, uh, like you said, going with your instinct a bit more, because yeah. obviously at Bruno Poikina. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know, you were obviously with the, the current coach, uh, Andreas Engelmark, who yeah. was in their season with the club. And mm. they obviously got in the relegation playoff and they had a sort of up and down season. He's now with Olaf mm. Melbourne. But you two were kind of there together at, at Bromo Poikina. Yeah. Um, and you also had sort of some disappointments at Moss. I think, you know, you left the club and you mentioned there that you might not, um, you, you didn't agree maybe with the decision in terms of things panned out for no. you. Would, no. would you say, you know, You've, you've learned about that side of football as well in terms of who to trust or what, you know, what, uh, how you deal with a club and in terms of in good times and bad. 100%. I think it is it, the thing about 
the thing that I've done really well, and, and, and I say that myself, not trying to be too big-headed, I've always been quite self-reflective, and I made, I've made many mistakes, like we all have in, in, in our football lives, but I write them down, I reflect on them. Can I improve on that? Can I make a better decision? Absolutely. I think sometimes the agendas inside of clubs you can't do anything about, but every experience is an experience, and you've got to take the positives and the negatives from both. I definitely hold my hands up and say, in Moss, I was a little bit naive, I think, and also, I think I was a little bit, uh, what's the word? I was like, uh, I was spoilt in, I go from Ostersons to Brummerpoikener and Brummerpoikener was these young, amazing players. And then I go to Moss and that was a, that was a big drop off. You know, that, 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 the BP team I had, if it played against my Moss team, would have absolutely smashed them. Do you know what I mean? Because the Moss players, they were nowhere near the same level. So you ha- that's always the difficult thing to adjust when you drop down a little bit. So um, of course, you know, you, you, you learn these things and, but I won't do any, I wouldn't do anything different. I still believe in my principles. I'm not going to go ever go back on my principles. Um, when we played just, just for instance, when we played against Roda, uh, in the second game, they pressed really high with six players full on. So in that game, it's the, the most long passes we've done in two years because I'm not naive. And I think I learned enough to know, okay, listen, in this situation, we can go a little bit long. And we did that. And in the 25th minute, we scored a goal from our goal kick because we made them go back a little bit because we went a little bit longer in the first part of the, of the game. And that was our game plan to go over their press. And after a while, they were like, shit, we can't press anymore. So they dropped off. And then it gave us a little space. And then boom, 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 we played, I think it was nine passes and we scored a goal. We scored the first goal. So it's not about going against your principles, but it's being not uh, it's being adaptable isn't it to be able to see that sometimes you have to change a little bit i've seen i've seen man city go a little bit direct sometimes hey eh? so it's it's just all about you how you want to do it tactically for me so i learned a lot from from that side of it i think about not not being too stubborn i think that's a good word to put well this is a you know this is a direct a direct <laughs> one um the moss situation do, do you think mm. you were harshly um fired or whatever you want to call it there because you you, you had some good results um, yeah. i remember the cup the cup win was a brilliant one you weren't exactly yeah. in that bad a way so no 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 what was it was it just general differences do you think or are there, is it a club that's almost at that stage almost too um under pressure and expectating yeah definitely without a shadow of a doubt and you know there's a few things i unfortunately i can't really tell you so <clears throat> it's, a, it's a difficult uh, difficult conversation to have um but, you know, at the end of the day, they will turn around and say that they made a great decision because the next season they got promoted and uh, and this season they survived in Obos. So for them, they've done amazing. So um, there, there's no, there's no, uh, there's nothing else to say about that in that respect. I think for me, of course, I felt hardly done by, you know, we were still one of the best possession-based teams in the league. We played some of the best football. There's no doubt about that. Um, and, you know, we staged our principles. And I think, I think the most important thing is when you lose your job, it's the most important people is the players. And I can tell you now that the players didn't want me to leave. Uh, the same in BP as well in many ways. So for me, that's that's the most important thing because at the end of the day, people will make decisions above you and sometimes you cannot do anything about that. It's, it's out of your hands. Yeah. So again, I speak to my players about controllables and uncontrollables. And also as a coach, you also have to understand that's the same for you. And you can do the best you can, but I think it's, I think you've got to look yourself in the mirror and say, did I stick to my principles? Yes, I did. Okay, did I lose my job? Okay, I did. 
was I a little bit naive? Maybe a little bit. Can I adjust? Yes, I can. And then that's how you move on, as far as I'm concerned. I, I'll tell you what, if, um, I mean, we know there's a big rivalry for, for Moss with the likes of Frederick Statton and Sarsfield. Oh, yeah. And yeah I'll tell yeah. you what, I think you can add Sean Constable to that rivalry. If you ever play them again, it'd be an interesting <laughs> match, Sean. <laughs> Yeah, it would. <laughs> yeah. Could, could happen, yeah, it could happen would. in the next year or two, so you never know. Uh, 100%, my friend. 100%. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. so now, before we sort of wrap up and move on to the to the elite Serian season, um, yeah. <clears throat> you you underplay yourself a little bit because you're you're someone who's managed top players. I mean, Dejan Kulisevsky, mm. you, you mentioned Spurs just then. You yeah. coached him this year, Bromel Poikina. No, I didn't co No, sorry, I didn't coach him. Actually, Andreas, did he left before I got there? Okay, but you, yeah, you knew yeah. him quite well, isn't it? You, oh, you yeah, yeah. He, he came in a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. He was training with Andres and had a good a few chats with him. Yeah, yeah. Quality player. What would you say, you know, in terms of your ambitions from here? Are you are you, are you kind of there for the for the long term at your current club? And, and just tell us a little bit before we wrap up uh, it, the structure of the club. I'm guessing is it part-time set up at the moment? And what are the ambitions yeah. in the next few years in terms of um, yeah. the coaching setup? How often do you coach? How often do you train? That kind of thing. And where, where you see yourself going, say, in two, three, mm. four, five years' time? Yeah, I think I think you can say that this that our club now is like a uh, probably like National League South North semi-professional. I, I'm full time. I'm 100% contract, so I, I work all the time. I also have a a role in the club as a Spieler Udvikler, so a player a player developer, also a coach developer. So um, I take meetings with the coaches from the full teams up. Um, I have a big meeting uh, hopefully in January. <laughs> where I'll go through how I play and how I train. And for those guys to then take, if you look at, if you look now two years in the club, if you go into our training sessions with our 14s and 15s and 16s and 19s, you'll see the sessions that we do in the first team. You'll see the passing sessions. You'll see the same one, those, the whole ethos is to keep the same way that we play. I don't expect uh, the teams to play the same system, but I expect the teams to play the same way that we do. Um, you know, Flint has a history of, a, of producing players that want to play, uh, you know, so that's that's also very important. It works well for the ethos that I have as well. At the moment, I'm, I'm happy where I am. It's great. But, you know, in football, you never know if offers come. Um, I'm really looking forward to this season. We're in the most difficult league. There's four leagues, four third divisions in Norway, and we're in the most difficult. But it's the shortest distance for travelling. So we've been quite lucky in that respect. In respect. But it's going to be really interesting for us. And, and I really believe, like I said, two or three of my young players are going to not be, they're not going to be at the club in 2025 because they, they're going to really flourish. They're really on their way up at the moment and they've done amazing. And then they're, they're hungry and they want to learn. But you know, in football, mate, you, you can never say never, can you? If someone comes along and there's an offer, then I'll, I'll consider. But at the moment, I'm, I'm, ha I'm really happy to be where I am. I tell you what, Sean. If we if we move on to sort of Norwegian football as, as a wider mm. uh, talking point now, um, mm -hmm. I, I actually said it on the last podcast we did. I, I believe the general state of the Norwegian league now is it's really strong. I think it's a, it's mm. a stronger league than than say Alsvenskan. I think mm. it's getting closer towards the Danish Superliga. Uh, mm. Teams in Europe have done really well. Yeah, and do you sense that? yourself because you know i know you're focusing on your own division your own club but i know what it's like over there you, you are looking there's always a, a big interest in the top league as well do you yeah. do you sense that would you agree with me that norwegian football is on the rise again domestically i think i think the um i think the top the top teams are 
I still think there's a gulf between the middle to bottom part of uh, of the league. I, I still think there's a lot to be. Uh, they have to they have to step up in that in that level at the moment. Um, I, I go to Sandefield a lot, obviously, because I was there for so many years. It's, I can just pop in when I want. So I'm very fortunate. So, but definitely those the top level, your top six, I would say maybe a little bit, maybe eight six up. They, they they've got really strong. Buddha Glimp obviously are the blueprint, not just for me, but for, for not just Norway, but Scandinavian football. Everybody should be going to Buddha Glimp to see what they do and how they do it. It's ridiculous. Look at Vordring and Rosenborg now. I mean. Uh, Knutson, when he was uh, asked, he was asked by Rosenborg to go there, and he was like, "No, nah, I'm going to stay in Buda Glimp. Why? Why would he want to go to Rosenborg? You know what I mean? Buda Glimp are a far better club than they are, um, which is obviously that will put me in the bad books of most of Norwegians because we know that Rosenborg's held very high esteem. Times there. have changed, though, haven't they? Times have mate, changed. They, and... mate, they have. Yeah. They have. And 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 I think Rosenborg have run disgracefully. I really do. I think they should be ashamed of themselves what they're doing. Um, and some of the, the appointments they've done with their managers is a, is a, is a joke. I mean, you, you, you see now Fuentes, Marty Fuentes, he's in San, if you did a great job, goes to Denmark, goes to San, he's now in QPR. Why the hell weren't they going for coaches like that? No, no, no. They decide to go for the dinosaurs instead. You know, that's, that's, that's really progressive football, isn't it? For Norwegian, for Norway. So in some ways they're, they're going backwards in other ways they're, 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 they're going forwards. Like you see Mulder, fantastic you know, great finances, good recruitment, but a glim, exactly the same. You know, Viking have done a great job as well, you know, recruiting successfully. And so some of the, those top teams that, you know, they want it. And, and, and don't forget Tromsø. I mean, a few years ago, the coach there was under pressure. And you see how, how he, what I like about him is, is that I didn't think that he could adapt. And he's adapted brilliantly. And the way that they play out, you watch them when they play out from the back now. Wow. The goalkeeper's like Edison. You know, so they, 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 those, those, like those top teams, they've, they've been amazing. So, um, but some of the middle to bottom teams, they need to shake themselves up and look at falling and going down. I mean, you imagine being guy you shocked by that? How shocked were you oh, by that? Absolutely shocked me. Absolutely. I mean, you go away from home and win 2 0. Job done. You know, go home, yeah. tighten yourself up, get Nick a goal, 3 0. Thanks for coming by. Absolutely got nervous in the second half. They fell to pieces and ended up losing penalties. We know what penalties are like. They're a nightmare. But before that, I mean, look at their squad. I mean, you know, and Guy Bakker, he's in a mid-table to above in Lillestrøm, doing a good job. I have no idea what happened there. Something happened or he just, I don't, I, I just don't know. I haven't heard any rumours about it. And he decides to leave and goes to, uh, goes to Vullinger and <laughs> ends up getting relegated. Must be absolutely devastated. Because he's a great guy. I really like a uh, guy back, a nice guy. But just couldn't get that team going. And, and you just it, don't you know, expect him to make that move, do you, mid-season? He seems always quite a stable fella. Um, yeah. It, it yeah. felt like a gamble. It really <clears> felt <throat> like a gamble to me. Um, yeah. You know, it just even, I mean, he, I mean, who knows what the financial deal was there. But you'd hope yeah. he'd have paid an awful lot more. Because it's no. got to be done well worth it for it to happen. That uh, TFO that was, was revealed on the Derby yeah. game was one of the most one of the moments of the season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Serious question here, right? If some mm. of these clubs, which, you you know, we would use the word dinosaur there, some of them are not run as well as they should. Could someone like Rosenborg or anyone else get sucked into that trap? Brand went down a few years ago. Could yep. someone like Rosenborg genuinely go down if they're not careful one, one year? Yeah. 
course they can. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, even their squad, you look at their players. I mean, Jesus Christ, I'd be a, I wouldn't mind having to go out some of them players and turn them into a unit. It's ridiculous. But um, I, I just I just think just uh, the evolving, evolving it for me and also Rosenborg, both clubs are, are, are almost a mess, I think, at the top of the club. There's so much politics going on. Left is pulling the right, the right's pulling the left. It doesn't seem like it is an ethos. Is that there's no red thread anymore inside of those clubs? Where, you know, look, look, look at look at look at Rosenborg. It's it's be honest. They got Corey and Brixen and um, uh, and the big man. I forget his name. He's going to kill me that for that. But, uh, yeah, but no, Shetter Ragdale. Don't get me started on him. I'm not going to even. Uh, you know, that's that's that was a disgrace. But anyway, I'm not going to go down that line. I get into too much trouble. So, um, but um, no, Cunningham Brixen, his assistant, is a legend there, uh, there. And they were doing an amazing job. And then the people above, like, for some reason, we don't want these anymore. And they won the double, sacked them both. Then I'm damned to pay a lot of money out in the court because I think they got, uh, uh, I hope I get this right on for legal reasons. I think they got uh, done, they, they managed to do Rosenborg for uh, unlawful dismissal. And since then, they have gone downhill. And the thing about Cordinger Brixen, is that he understood? He played for the club. He understood the club. He understood the culture. He understood the ethos of the club, and they had a red thread going through. He was interested in the in the younger groups in the 19s. How was the academy doing? Bringing the young players up, and then they get rid of him, and it falls to pieces. So of course it's not run correctly by these people that walk around. And honestly, mate, they walk around like they like they're gods, and they're not. You know, Norwegian football is ranked, what, 50-something in the world. So you have to have a reality check with themselves, you know what I mean, and know where they are. So, Sean, quite powerful words there. I mean, you've described Rosenborg as a joke, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. and uh, you've had some uh, snipers out for some people within the game there. <clears throat> just want to ask you, just just like to ask you, sort of, you know, you, you bring kind of, obviously, me and sure, uh, Steve, we, we look at it from the outside perspective. Yeah. You're actually inside Norwegian football. Yeah. Uh, so I'm guessing these words come as someone who's got the experience and you've seen this, these things behind the scenes. What would you say is, is the main thing holding things back behind the scenes? Is it, is it kind of like, because to some, you know, the decisions that are taken at clubs, and it's not necessarily just Norway, can be baffling. Itself. No. Yeah. Uh, would you say that Norway kind of suffers from that to a certain extent at certain clubs? And, and how much would you go into that in terms of what? What do you see that kind of is holding back certain clubs? Because like like Steve just said, there's teams that should maybe be doing better who are underperforming, but there's also teams doing amazingly well who are maybe slightly better run. So where would you say the line is between those two sides of Georgia? And what, what's holding it, 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 it's the same everywhere. It's, you look to England, you know, look, look what's happened now. You've seen, you've seen the sackings that are going on now in England and the, and, and the coaches that are getting getting jobs it's, it's it's quite it's quite scary it really is so it's not just norway mate it's everywhere and and i i just think you know that you you need you need to have a clear methodology a clear philosophy inside of your club if you're going to be successful go to Budaglimp, look at them go to molder look at them okay molder maybe do it a little bit they have a little bit more cash and stuff but still their recruitment is still pretty outstanding do you know what i mean um look at viking what they how they've done it how they've worked with not a massive budget, to be fair. It's a decent one, but it's not magic, massive, the same as Tromsø. So, you know, it shows you in Tromsø, they've kept the coach there for a long time. He's, he's developed. They've got coaches in Viking that have been part of the club for many, many years. So they, they, they have an ethos, a philosophy, if you want, inside of their clubs, and they, and they, and they built it that way. And other clubs 
want to try and do it but don't seem to get the correct people in now obviously there's no chance i'm going to get the head coach's job in rosenborg uh probably especially after today so um it's okay for me to be a little bit sanctimonious sat in the third division in norwegian football and i'm sure some of the powers that be will if they if they see this or listen to this podcast they'll be like who's that guy so um that's that's fine but i think it's in every every country mate some clubs are run better than others that's just the way that football is it's it's not an exact science we all know that we all been in football long enough to understand it but from what you say that sounds like it's kind of comes down to recruitment of players and recruitment of staff are those those are the two yeah. separate the good from 100% 100% it's always the way you know it's always the way you have to <clears throat> um i could forget who said it uh it might be it might be my man Jurgen Klopp, of course, you know. Um, and I think he said when you go into a club, even though it might be a short-term situation, you should always look at it as a long-term solution. And that that means that when you go into it, don't think you're gonna get and I get it, coaches go in there and think, I'm gone in 16 months, which is is the average now, isn't it? 16, 18 months. Most coaches are sacked. Um, pretty much throughout Europe. I think that's the average in Europe. So, you know, a lot of coaches go in of like, I'm not going to bother watching the under-19s because that really good 17-year-old, I'm never going to see him. Do you know what I mean? So it's about a philosophy. And I think going into a club and thinking, okay, I, I could be here a long time, even if I'm not going to be, and show that interest and find that red thread that goes through it. You, you, you said you, you interviewed Tom, Tom Dent, didn't you, before? Great guy, brilliant, done fantastically well himself. Got some uh, done really well uh, in Stoza Blink um, as a head coach, and then he's now in Hamcom. And 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 look at them! What a job they've done! Absolutely fantastic. The striker that plays for them, I coached him in uh, Sanifiad. Paul Lishikafold. I always say his last name wrong, but um, you know, and he's 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 still you know getting his age now. Was he thirty odd scoring goals? They've recruited really well. Good coach, good philosophy in the club. So. Even though if you don't have a big budget, it's not about your budget. It's about being. It's about being smart. It's about being clever, and you know, trying to find the right players that fit the way that you want to play. Do you know what I mean? So that's 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 the whole idea for me, as far as I'm concerned. Well, Sean, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I mean, we promised <laughs> that we'd let you go. I know you've got some New Year celebrations to be had. Yeah, got family, family. Yeah. Keep shut down. Um, I mean. Yeah. I'm still waiting for my invite to be a chief scout, but it sounds like you're doing an amazing. Mate, it'll, mate, it'll come. I'm telling you, son. I'm telling you, it will come. It's just taking me a bit longer than I expected, but it'll come there. Don't worry, son. It'll no, be it there. Sounds, it sounds like you're doing an amazing job. Well, congratulations. Appreciate it. We'll, we'll obviously be keeping it on you. And, yeah, good. Yeah. Of course, you know we wish you all the best for 2024 and uh, yeah. and, and the year ahead. Sounds like you got. And you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, my pleasure, boys. Always Absolutely. a pleasure for you two. Yeah, oh, to, very best yeah. To be fair, you've got a pretty good map of my career over in uh, Scandinavia, so I appreciate yeah, you guys. We're like your life's journal, basically. <laughs> yeah, you are, mate. Last five you years. are. If you ever write a book, Sean, you know where to come. I can be some of your. Um, too right. Whatever they call it, like that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, take care, mate. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. See you later, boys. All the best. Bye bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Well, safe to say, uh, a fairly explosive uh, interview there with Sean Constable, formerly Bromer Poik and a head coach, Moss F. Core head coach. He's also been at Sanderfjord. He's, he's been around the block for a while, hasn't he, Steve? And uh, I mean, he's he's not held back on some of the teams in Norway there. I mean, we, we haven't actually discussed what's gone on uh, since the final day of the season in Norway, since we had the podcast. So 
context of that, let's just let's just give a little bit of the context of the last season. I mean, first, firstly, Steve, what are some of your thoughts on what he said? And then we should maybe talk about the end of the season and just recap Norway. I'm still kind of wow after that. I mean, we've had some great stuff with Sean down the years, but I'm really pleased that he's he's told a few home truths. He's probably said a few things that I should have said um, at times. In the, You know how I've said before, I've kind of got a bit less controversial in the last year or two. I, I think that's a lesson to, to Steve Wiss. Well, that's what, what I was thinking when he was saying it. I was thinking you, well, you, no, you, I, <laughs> I, play it with I, I think he's absolutely right. I, I, Rosenborg have deserved that rant on this podcast for a long time. And uh, it's just it's taken someone else to obviously to do it properly, but he's done a, a job well done. But it's I think I, I fairly feel like Sean Constable is in a in, in a great place there. I think he said that he's learned from his previous jobs, and you know he might not have got through that playoff match if he hadn't have had the the you know the ups and downs at Bromopoikin and Moss. And I'm keenly I really want to see him get up to Obos, you know I really want to see him get up to Obos, and let's game playing against Moss now, but so I think he was spot on with a lot of stuff. I really do. Yeah, I mean, he'll need two promotions. They are now in the fourth tier, um, the team that he manages, Flint Tronsberg. So good luck to them. I mean, in terms of the rant about Rosenborg, they finished ninth, you know, just to recap the season. Of course, Buda glimpsed to the champions. Brown actually ended up finishing uh, second place, Steve. Um, Tromso finished third as well, got a place on the podium. Viking just missing out on Molder fifth. So, you know, you have had some harsh words for Rosenborg, but I think I think Sean Constable has maybe outdone you uh, with some of the things that he said there. We may have to even review some of them to make sure that we don't get don't get sued. But <laughs> um, let's recap the end of the season, Steve. What were the highlights for you from the last day? Of course, we spoke about the teams that were threatened with relegation and there was a few, I mean, everyone who listens to this show will know by now, but there was a few big surprises at the end of the season, wasn't there? Yes, Jonathan. Um, I think the last day of the season, uh, the big shot we just talked about, Rosenborg, there, they actually won 5 1 away from home against Viking, which I don't, didn't really see coming, even though there wasn't really much riding on the game um, in total. But in the relegation battle, Starbuck went down. They they hung on to a 0 0 against uh, Argusund for a long time and then ended up losing 3 0. Uh, Sanderfield, as I said, they nicked that 1 0 win against Lillestrom to survive. And following a drew against Tromso, won all to um, confirm themselves in the playoff game against Christiansen and Tromso at the same time, uh, achieve third place. So Tromso will be in Europe next season, which is fantastic for them. I think they deserved it probably. Um, and then the playoff against against Christiansen. And I watched the first leg, um, two 0 win for Volarenga. They dominated the game. They should have had more goals. And I'll be brutally honest with you, <laughs> I I. I hadn't planned to watch the second leg. I, it was done. I, I stuck a fork in Christiansen. I thought there's no way they can turn that around. And you know, I was I look I was checking the score at half time. It was nil-nil. I thought, yeah, the stats look pretty fine for, for Volarenga. And I kid you not, the next thing I knew, I was checking my flash score app on my phone, and it was suddenly two-nil to Christiansen. And I was genuinely like, what the absolute F. And so that's when I started watching the game. And, of course, it went to a penalty shootout. And suddenly I was getting to a stage where I was like, shit, I'm going to have to prepare some tweets here because this is serious big news. Um, and I, I had like two tweets prepared. I had the, the, the tweet prepared for relegation, the tweet prepared for staying up for Volarenga. 
And of course, they got beat on penalties by, by your boys, Christiansen. I mean, unbelievable turnaround. Shock of all shock relegations. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean, my boys are back. I'm actually thinking of getting a Christian's shirt, to be honest, because uh, it's become a bit of a running theme and I'm starting to take take kindness to them. But I mean, Steve, we have to say, uh, when, the, when the incident occurred, obviously, with, with Wallerenga, we've been joking about it all season. We kind of talked a little bit about the possibilities. But when it actually happened, I mean, there was two things that happened on Twitter, wasn't there? Number one, um, the laughter. Well, number one, the, the tragedy for Wallerenga of actually getting relegated. And just the sheer shock, really. Like we, we sort of teetered around it, the possibility, but but the actual fact of it happening is incredible. And of course, number two, Steve, the memes, the jokes, the laughter, uh, particularly from a certain set of fans. Um, just give us a bit of a context around that and the, the laughter that took place. Because uh, if you could have the word karma in the dictionary, uh, I, I feel like this was the season where we saw the ultimate calm and, and put it into context for us to see what it means. Well, I don't think anyone really truly believed they would go down. I mean, they had a poor first half of the season. They sacked Dolgale for Germo, um, which maybe, I mean, looking back, maybe that was a really poor decision. And they brought in Guy Packer from their arch rivals, Lillestrom, who is someone who's done well with Lillestrom in recent years. Um, it was a shock mid-season change it's like clock going to man united mid-season and then taking them down like you said before um and you know it all culminated i mean we think about it since that tifo the famous tifo um was revealed of him in the derby game I, they've hardly picked up a point i think they, they beat ham cam after that was about their only win they had since that moment maybe that was a key turning point there was the problem Making that move, there was so much pressure and scrutiny on him from so many different quarters. So Lillestrom fans were loving it. They they lost against they, probably one one time they were loving their team losing against Sanderfjord. And and at to be fair, Lillestrom actually played pretty hard in that game, I thought. So the players certainly weren't in on the plan. It was a legit win for Sanderfjord. They totally went for it. Um, but the, you know, Lillestrom fans were loving it. Of course, this happened to them a few years ago. And Volarenga fans were rubbing it in with glee with them. It happened to Bran two, three years ago, and rival fans were, were, were getting in, into them. It feels like since we've started this podcast, there have been some seriously high-profile relegations into Obos that, that shouldn't be happening, really. Um, and the trend has continued. Of course, the, the past trend is that these clubs have come back strong and really well. Will that happen with Volarenga again? I don't know. It should. But Obos is stronger these days. Yeah, I mean, you, you you said it in your famous YouTube video about Klopp. It's like Klopp going to Manchester United. Well, the story has ended with Klopp taking Manchester United down in this sense. The massive rivalry between the two clubs, Steve. Um, I mean, I, in my opinion, just as an external perspective, I think it's one of the most brilliant stories I think I've seen since we've done this podcast. In terms of just the sheer... Uh, irony of it the hubris like just the fact that you take someone's manager a big rival and then you get relegated i, I can't I, I almost can't put it into context really in terms of like there's i don't think there's ever been an english equivalent if you think about it like it could be like arsene wenger going to spurs and getting them relegated like is, is that like if that happened in england can, can you imagine if that happened in england like it is almost unimaginable i can't i can't it, think harry, of harry redknapp is the only one i can think of but he's not as big i mean that's not a big he wasn't out of he went he went from where did he go from 
to Southampton. He didn't. Did he actually take Southampton down? Uh, or if he didn't, he got sacked before he happened. But that was that's the only one I can possibly think of where there was a there's a comparison to a degree. It's um, and of course just another further plot twist. The team that's got automatically promoted from Obos, it's K from Oslo, or known as Koffer. You know, now they're now the, the, the top team from Oslo in Elite Serie because Star Becker gone. Um, so it's, it's it's an unbelievable story, mate. It's like it's like Leeds United getting relegated and Farsley Celtic coming back up to replace them. It's crazy. It really is. I think it's an unbelievable story. And uh, yeah, as I say, if the, we, I think we covered it a little bit on Twitter, the memes and everything that was going around. But, you know, just tell this from the perspective of the Lillestrian fans. Yeah, I mean, this is very happy times for them, obviously, because they've suffered themselves. And you would be seriously annoyed that Gerbacker would leave then, you know, for no seeming proper reason. Um, to, to your biggest art, you just don't do it. Even even if you've been sacked by them and then moved directly, you just still don't do it, do you? You just don't because I mean I know he, but the thing was he did have a history there bothering a little bit, but it's a crazy situation. It's I, it's the worst ever managerial movement season I've known anywhere in my whole life in any, any division. And you know we talk about we talk about flop of the year. I'm, I'm going to give a player flop of the year later, but it was 100% Volarenga are the team flop of the year and Gare Backer has to be the overall flop of the year doesn't he? A bit of a spoiler for later on but I think you, you can't really avoid it the elephant in the room can you? Let, let's look at the um, we're going to you're going to name your team in the seasons shortly uh, and in part two of course we're going to talk about Sweden and then wrap up the Swedish season but let's just um, take a look at, at the tables I mean just I'll just run through the table briefly 16th place finish was bottom of the league Arlesund they finished with 18 points as you mentioned there just now Starbeck went down uh, on 29 points. Wallerenga, of course, joined on 29 points in the relegation playoff and have since gone. Uh, Sandefjord, Haugesund, Ham, Cam in 13th, 12th, 11th, all in 10th place. Rosenborg, 9th. Sarpsborg finished 8th. Strums, Godset, 7th. Lillestrom, 6th. Molder, 5th, which was a bit of a surprise as well, especially considering a pre-season prediction. They didn't have the season many expected. Uh, Viking, 4th. Uh, and then, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the Tromso on the podium in 3rd. Brand, 2nd. Incredible season for Brand. And uh, Blue Lagoon, the champions, won nine points. Steve, uh, let's have a few words for the the, uh, the top three, starting with Tromso and, and leading up to Blue Lagoon. I mean, how impressed were you? I know you were very sceptical about Tromso in general, uh, the numbers and the underlying stats, but just give us um, a bit of an overview of like their season and how they ended up in the uh, top three. Well, of all the, um, the the pre-season table tips, I talked about this with Tom Dent. I, I only got one exact position right, and that was odd. Always reliable, aren't they? Mid table somewhere. Um, I I had a really poor year for predictions. I think I was close with a few teams, but I was way off really uh, in a lot of cases. Um, Buda Glimt were exceptional this year. I thought Mulder would have the edge on them. Uh, Mulder have been disappointing. Just couldn't get over their bad start. But you know, Bran. Yeah, I got them wrong. I said, didn't I? Pre season, I, th- I thought they'd have a good year, but I didn't expect them to be this strong. Um, they had that mid-season blip, and I thought I'm going to be proved correct. But they rebounded brilliantly. They they won so many games in a row uh, before losing the final game. And Tromso, yeah, they they kept up despite the metrics halfway through the season not being favourite, like seriously overachieving. They managed to to stay in that position, and what they did do, they actually played better football probably in the second half of the season. 
And, um, you know, sometimes actually the stats reverted to the mean they lost a couple of games they might should have won. So, as Sean Constable said there earlier, they are well coached. I've always said this. I think Gartel Elstrup um, is a massive candidate for coach of the year. We'll talk about that later. Um, he's definitely, uh, you know, massively on the shortlist, got the absolute most out of them. So, I think for the three medalists, deserve positions, Viking will be disappointed because they were in, in, in a title race for a long time. But, um, yeah, I, I absolutely tip my hat to all of that. The top three, the top, whole top four, really. I think they surprised everyone. And a word for Bran. Yeah, I really like the direction Bran are going in. I, I, they've obviously got something out of the season. They won one of the two Norwegian Cups, which were on offer. They got themselves into Europe, so that's a successful season. The second place. And I was watching them in that in that great run towards the end of the season and when they beat Buda Glimt in, I think this is the penultimate game. And I was thinking, you know what, if they keep this up, they could they could win gold next year, like genuinely. Um, and I've seen it before where, I don't know, a team over, say, a calendar year, um, more of a case in the big league, in the European league, it goes um, through the winter. And they just don't quite time it correctly and I think Brand, if they can just time it so they can do it over a whole year rather than say in half a season that they're, they're bang up there they're, they're moving completely in the right direction and uh yeah I've, you know there's a lot of brand fans who listen to this podcast and I, I hold my hands up I, I got them wrong I didn't believe they could finish as high as second this year there's no way I didn't see that happening um I think they've done a remarkable job Yeah, I remember you did say that you thought they were in pre-season show, you, you thought they would start well, but you thought they might tail off. I guess it's a case of you were actually right. They did tail off, but it's just the fact that they recovered, didn't they? They found a way to sort of recover that 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 initial tail off and, and you know, maybe managed to get back on track. I mean, it's a shame, like you said, they're for V-King. Um, I believe it was final day of the season or final few weeks of the season where they actually th- lost that that place. Um, I mean, you've said Brand could potentially win the title next season. Of of the teams like that didn't get into the podium before we talk about Glimp, um, who are you most sort of like pleased with, and who are you most disappointed with? I know you obviously Rosenborg mm. down there. Sure, uh, Sean's already said a few words about them, but who, who would you say you know you got Viking, you got Viking fourth in the end, which is, isn't too bad, but um, you know Mulder fifth. Who would you say you're most pleased with, and who would you say you're most disappointed with outside the relegation and and uh, you know top three? I think the team that I'm I'm pleased for. Uh, two teams I'm pleased were probably Strom's Godset and Sarpsborg. I mean, Strom's Godset finished seventh from nowhere. They were the, they were the team that every league has this, Jonathan. A team that sort of wins, I don't know, five of its last six games uh, when some others around them were on the beach. But they they stayed completely focused. And, um, you know, that's a fantastic finishing position for them. So I think they, 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 they there's a project undergoing there with Jurgen Isnes which is well worth seeing. And I'll be interested to see how he develops that. So I was pleased for them. I mean, obviously, Mulder have a disappointment in terms of fifth position, but they've won a Norwegian Cup. They've, they're still in Europe. So I don't think it's been all bad for Mulder. And they, they can definitely easily rebound. A team that I've been disappointed with, obviously, Volarenga, a, a big candidate for that, and Rosenborg. This is not good enough. Ninth place for a team of their stature. Um, when you know th- there was a lot of preseason talk that they could even challenge for the title, um, I had them fourth, so you know, I, I didn't see them doing that, but 
for them to be so poor this year has has been a, a huge disappointment. So I think they would have to be the overall. I mean, Volarenga, yeah. But uh, again, th- those two big giants, I think, are the disappointments. Yeah, and I think there have been quite a few teams this season who have disappointed them, there, really. If you look, if you widen it out, I mean, you, I reckon you could probably name a few more if you were pushed to. Just on Tromso, according to our partners, Scout, and of course, we're so happy for our partnership this year with Scout again, once again, successful partnership. Uh, they actually had the best expected goals against in the league, according to our partners, Scout Tromso, uh, with Glimt in second and Brand third. So um, they've done really well defensively there in terms of uh, Tromso's record, 33 conceded as well, which was... I believe the best defensive record in the, in the league overall, but also the XG against. Um, and also in terms of uh, expected goals, Glimp miles ahead at the top, 75 goals expected, 78 scored, uh, as we come to expect from them. And Molder were actually second and Viking were actually third. So those two teams can maybe feel like maybe it was the defensive areas that, 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 that or maybe just lack of finishing, um, although both of them kind of matched their XG more or less. Um, but uh, Steve, let's talk about Glimp before we move on to your team of the season. Just a few words on the champions. And uh, they've they've got their title back. Um, things are moving swimmingly. Of course, there've been a lot of links uh, for the manager, maybe potentially leaving, but he's stuck he's stuck around, hasn't he, for quite a while? And uh, they, they are champions again. That was the main reason I didn't think they would win the title because I was convinced that Jessel Knudsen that twenty twenty three was going to be the year that he moved on, and. The most realistic time to, to bring in Chetilkunut into a club, a mainstream club, is to bring him in around June, isn't it? And it's just a question. I'm wondering if this is ever actually going to happen um, because he's, he's he's been so committed and so loyal to Budaglimp that, um, yeah, it was clear that they've got a great thing going. They're still in Europe. But I do wonder now, what else has he really got to achieve there? You know, I mean, it's like personal challenges. You know, maybe he's one of those who wants to to make them the all-dominating all force in, in in Norwegian football. Um, I know there's a lot of clubs that would certainly take him on board. He, he rumoured to be very close to some teams before, in, in even Premier League clubs. So, but, you know, he's he got this team playing really well. The most important thing is they got out of the traps well, right? Um, they had a fantastic start and they got themselves a buffer, um, which it was surprising that Viking managed to reel them in. But because they had got themselves such a great advantage, they could afford a little bit of a dodgy run. They had a little bit of a dodgy run. I'm just looking back now. One win in five games between 30th of July and 17th of September. And the, the difference there is you obviously visit um, European football, uh, qualifying affects you. And there was like, you know, you get the odd week off during the summer break. So I think that was the period that they were vulnerable. They lost at Viking, of course but managed to pick themselves up again. And that was the most important thing. And they also managed to do that whilst they were still playing in Europe as well. And this happened a couple of years ago when they won the title. They, The more games they played, the better they were. And and I don't know what it is. Sometimes teams are better, play, do play better with rhythm. Sometimes teams... It's a nice excuse, isn't it? When Look at Newcastle this year. Um, Eddie House coming out, we played too many games. Jurgen Klopp played too many games. That's only when the results aren't going well. It just shows you what you can do if you're in good form. No one cares how often you're playing. If you're winning games of football, Jonathan, you've got momentum. Um, and, and they were brilliant. They played a really good style of football and they were deserving champion this year. But they were pushed at times, which is good. They kind of responded again when Viking got on their back. So that was uh, they'll be really, really pleased with the title. Yeah, and let, let's be fair to them as well. They also had the probably pound-for-pound pound best player in the league. 
Amar Pellegrino, league top scorer, had an incredible year, didn't he? And uh, yeah, just looking, I mean, you, you talk there about Glim and what, what left is there for Ketil Klutzman to achieve. Um, just looking at the all-time Elite Serian title honours, I mean, Brat, uh, Glimt are now up, actually up to uh, uh, one of the top ten now. One, two, three. They're sort of joint eighth in the uh, all-time title winners list with three league titles. Of course, their first ever league title came in, uh, you know, <laughs> just a few years ago in in 2020. So uh, they're now they've surpassed Drums Godset. They surpassed Lynn Oslo. Um, they're level with Brand in terms of all-time titles, but uh, they've still got another 23 titles to go, Steve, to equal uh, Rosenborg um, at the top there with 26 league titles. Incredible, really. Just shows you how, how big a club they are, but nothing since 2018. Interestingly enough, Frederikstad are the second most uh, successful team in terms of league titles won in Norwegian football history, and they will be back next season. Um, they have done well in the Obos, Steve. I know you've already said in the past you're looking forward to seeing them back in the top division. They won the league in Obos. Uh, you must be looking forward to their return. But uh, just a word for a couple of players like Pellegrino and others that you've seen this season who have maybe caught your eye and that you're, you know, just to recap on that side of things, as we go into your team of the season, do we want to get into that now? It's a good time, I think, for team of the season now, Jonathan. Yeah, we, we can get stuck into it. And I've gone with a 4-3-3 system this year. I've cheated a little bit. We'll talk about that later. I've cheated a little bit, little bit in one position. But, you know, with these teams of the season... You do have to um, adapt a little bit at times. Well, it's not like you to cheat on one of these awards, is it? Having having uh, t two players to watch, two player players to watch two years running. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if you've got twelve players in your in your team of the season, knowing knowing how you like to bend the rules, Steve. But uh, <laughs> take it away, take it away. Let's get right into it. Well, we'll start with goalkeeper, and it's actually not a great been a great year for keepers. I think it's. Uh, uh, in a way, a little bit lean pickings. Um, it was a choice of three for me. I, I looked at, at Keto actually at Sanderfield. I think he had a pretty good campaign. Um, you know, fair play to him. Um, Hugo Keto um, impressed me. And then at, at Tromsø, I think Jakob Holgaard had a, especially a good first half of the season. They overachieved defensively a lot, and um, you know, he's a, one of the main reasons why. But in the end, I've gone with. Egil Selvik at Hagerson. And I've gone with him, A, because I thought it was quite fun to get a Hagerson player in, the, the the team. And I actually think they'd have gone down without him. Because if you look at some of the performances he had this season, he made some crucial saves. I think he earned, he genuinely earned them a lot of big, big points. And he's, the, for me, the clear standout in, the, in their team throughout the whole of the year. Um, and I think... He deserves his spot in the team. Like I said, there's probably, I, 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 you know, the goalkeepers listening might hate me for saying this. It was probably the weakest position I've known ever had to pick in the team of the season, really. Normally, there's a clear standout for me, but with the big clubs, it was kind of, there was a few injuries with their number one keepers and there was a bit of rotation around and no mega stood out. So, Egil Selvik at Hargerson for a keeper. Yeah, and that, that's interesting because there's been a few keepers that you've talked about quite a lot on the show this season. He's at Pesterton being one, uh, who's recently moved to Elsborg. I've seen in the transfer news breaking. But, um, I mean, you do love a keeper, Steve, so that's interesting. He had a good year. Wow. To be fair, Pet Pettersson would have been in the mix as well, but they went down. I can't pick a keeper that went down. He kept, you know, Selvig kept them up. So that's why he gets an edge there. Yeah, I do. I think if there's one thing I would trust your opinion on, 
I mean, I trust your opinion on many things, but if there's one gold standard thing I would say that I can put your hat on with Meatman Soccer, it's, it's, it's judging a goalkeeper. You definitely got the eye for them. Um, let's move on to your your defence. I'm going with back four this year. Um, and we've got... We've starting... got two one club, by the way, which is really interesting. Yeah, we'll start a left-back. Joachim Salkvet, I think, is the clear standout there. Salzburg and Bran uh, move mid-season. But he could have got in based on his performances at either team, really. Uh, the centre-back pair, I'm going with David Brackelow, uh, V-King, and Jostein Gunderson at Tromsø. And another Tromsø player, uh, right-back, Nicholas Vesterland. Um, they were exceptional defensively. And I think Tromsø... I mean, I said the keeper nearly got in as well for Tromsø. So it just shows you how strong... Their defence was, I think, that they conceded the fewest goals of any team. I'm pretty sure they did. Um, yeah, 33 goals against overall, which, you know, that that's that's a magnificent achievement. And um, yeah, I think these two players are one of the main reasons why. I think Gunderson was linked. I've not really been following the transfers uh, stories yet this this winter, but I think Gunderson, Buda Glimp were interested in signing him. Um, Vesterland has been a, a really, really good right wing back for the last couple of years. He, he really has been exceptional. He would have easily got in last, last year's team were it not for Martin Linez. I think he offers so much going forward as well as defensively. Um, so the, t- the two Tromso players for me picked themselves as a standout. And and Saltville, like I say, actually Brand's defensive record was really good. Fantastic mid-season signing. Maybe one of the reasons that Brand managed to rebound so well, um, actually, um, because they, they brought in a player who made a big difference to them both defensively and, and defensively. And then at David Brekelow, if you look at when he got injured, that's when Viking's bad run started. Uh, his points per game must be one of the highest averages in the league from any player this season because he had that knack of of just really leading them at the back. And it was a massive blow when he got that groin injury. He missed near enough the last, what, seven or eight games. Or he certainly wasn't fit for the last seven or eight games. And that's when they're bad bad run coincided mate so um i use a strong back four for me. i really like that back four in my team this year yeah it's also very balanced you know you've got um although you've got two two uh, chance players i think that's totally fair enough given their uh excellent defensive record and some really you know stand-up players breckel i think had a really good season didn't he um mm-hmm. let's move into your midfield like you mentioned you've, you've gone for sort of a 433 so you've got three central midfielders here yeah i've gone with I mean, you could probably call the first player here a defensive midfielder or a deeper midfielder. And that, that I'm actually going with another Viking player here, Marcus Solbakken. And the two players that I'm playing alongside him are Emil Breivik and uh, Albert Grombacher, a more offensive-minded midfield. I think Solbakken's another player. He goes, and not too many will talk about him, but uh, I think he, he was one of the main reasons that Viking went so well this year. You know, they didn't just title challenge because... Tripic had a brilliant year and, you know, they got goals from the likes of Salveston. They they had, for a lot of the year, they actually had a decent defence, you know. Brekelow was a big reason for that. And I think Solbakken was a reason for that in midfield. I think there was a period, a month or two, where he was putting in some exceptional performances. You know, he's not going to contribute with goals and assists, but he's just there a bit like, a little bit similar to the, the water carrier role, the Makaleli role. Um these players, you'd love this sort of player. This is your this is your area of the field, Jonathan. I, I struggle to analyse them as well. 
But there's no doubt, I think it was really hard not to include him as a player of this type. In your, every team needs like a good D mid, don't they? And I think uh, Solbach and Mate is is the under. He's probably the the one player in this eleven who um, some might think, oh, who's he? You know, under the radar a little bit. Yeah, under the radar. I mean, I I liked um, I like quite like Nipan. Uh, he's a young talent that really caught my eye. But as you mentioned, I mean, Rosenborg didn't have a great season, did they? So totally fair enough. There, you got one from Beeking, one from Molden, one from Glimp. So I think that's pretty pretty fair enough. Um, yeah, the two the two well, of the players, Gromback Gromback was brilliant with his numbers, fantastic sort of uh, player gets in, in in brilliant positions and contributes with goals, assists, great work rate. I think he's one of the he's probably the next big player to get a, a huge move out of Glimt. Um, yeah, they paid decent money for him anyway, so he could go for close to ten million, I reckon, at some point. Whether it's this coming year, I don't, I'm not sure. And Breivik was a breakout year for him in Mulder, seven goals, seven assists. Um, they there were times when Mulder played really well, and but they just didn't have enough players who were, over the whole season were consistent, uh, often because of injuries. But probably, probably only Breivik and maybe Christopher Hagen were the only two players that really you felt were sort of nailed in week in week out. Um, and in private wasn't a few, was one of the few players who stayed fit, but he looks a really great prospect, still a young lad. Um, and, you know, I think one to watch going forward again. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of rumors about him as well, isn't there? I think there's a lot of talk about him maybe getting a potential move uh, at some point. So definitely a talent there up front, Steve. I mean, I've mentioned one of them already can't really leave him out. Um, you've got two from Glimp and one from Bran. So I think most avid listeners of this pod might be able to guess who they are, but t- take it away. This is where I've cheated a bit. I mean, the Pellegrino has to be in the team, but he has to be in at left wing because he cuts inside. I can't put him anywhere else. And there's, there's, there's two or three others who have been really good at left wing this year. And they are uh, Tripic, uh, Viking, and I, I really like Danilo El Saad at, um, at Sandefjord, actually. But none of them. I look back. I was just hoping some they played right wing some games, but they didn't. Um, so I've had to cheat. Bordfinner has to get in the team. Um, he's played striker all year, but he has played right wing quite a lot. So in my team, Bordfinner gets in at right wing, which means I can fit in Faris Mumbanya, who has bit, led the line brilliantly for Budiglim this year. So those are the, the final three for me. Pellegrino goes without saying. What a player. Quite how Norway never called him up, I don't know. I did hear the last I heard that Tanzi might even uh, be, was looking into making uh, an African Cup of Nations appearance for Tanzania. Now, I don't think he made the final squad. I'm not sure um, whether he's, he's ended up going down that route, but it's criminal that Norway never even gave him a look in the last three or four years. Unbelievable talent. Um, I, I, he's technically one of the best players I've seen in the elite Serie ever. He gets in. I mean, his numbers are unbelievable. The goals that he scored. Uh, but um, so he's a lockdown. Board Finner had an unbelievable season as well. Um, you know, he was brilliant in Obos. And I actually questioned, didn't I, whether he could do it early at Serian level to the same degree. Well, he, he absolutely nailed it. And it's great to see a player who in the past has underachieved, but he's come back really strongly. And um, you know, Mumbania was just the, the striker that they needed, Glimt. Um, they, they lacked that physical presence last year. He got himself about a bit, big lad. And ne- I think 15 goals. It's not just that, he got a lot of assists as well. And he was just a massive handful. 
Yeah, and Banya's the one that I think that maybe might not be on the radar of as many people, but he, I remember us having a good discussion about him sort of uh, in the latter part of the season on this show. We kind of um, brought, <clears throat> talked a bit more about him and, you know, Pellegrino's kind of overshadowed a lot of players, hasn't he really? He's been so outstanding this season with his goal contributions, incredible amount of goals. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's a really rounded team, Steve. I don't know if you just want to read read it all again, just to read yeah. out the 11 one more time. Yeah, so Egil Selvik in goal, um, back four, Nicholas Vestal and Jostan Gunderson, David Brekelo, Joachim Saltvet, midfield trio of Marcus Solbach and Emil Breivik, Albert Grombach, and then the I'm going with an attacking trio of Almo Pellegrino, Bordfinner and uh, Faris Mumbania. And, and like I say, I wanted to get a genuine right winger in, but there wasn't anyone good enough this year on the right wing. Um in, in Lisserian, so we have to balance it out a bit. And final question on that before we move on to part two. Well, actually, moments of the season, Steve. Do you, I know that Acor Adams isn't in this, but he he did have he did still have um the fifth highest expected goals, despite the fact that he left the season in, in mid-season. We got Pellegrino on top of that, Finner, who you've got as well, Mbanya, Leonard Olsen as well is in there. Um, although he has one fewer goal than Mbanya, and then Acor Adams 15 goals. Um, maybe a word for him like he's not in the team obviously understandably why probably but maybe just a word for him because he's doing fairly well isn't he and there's, there's already been Premier League links there, there were certainly quite a few honourable mentions I mean Thomas then Olsen had a pretty solid season as well for, I mean they had a brilliant a fantastic strike duo and Adams no doubt would have got in this team if he had stayed the whole season I mean he was on course for 30 goals Um, so yeah Huge, huge mention to him. I think coach, coach of the year, manager of the year. I'm gonna go with Garter Helsrud. I think at Trump's. I think he's got the absolute most out of it. I think he's he's the man for me there. Um, yeah, there's a few other coaches that would probably want to get a mention as well. But I think Garter Helsrud's the man. Moment of the year. I think if we, if we, if we in terms of a match, the one that really sticks out to me is Tromso beating Viking. Uh, with two goals in the last like two minutes to completely end Reekin's title run, really, and getting Tromso in there. But in terms of actual moment, it's got to be that Tifo, hasn't it? In the, um, I can, I say, mate, I can see that Tifo in my dreams. Um, what creature was that? I mean, I, I, we're never going, we're not going to see the last of that Tifo, mate. That's all I'll say. I think, um, will it ever come out again? It was it was what it was an unbelievable memorable moment. Um, and uh, what was the other thing on the on the itinerary? Young player of the season. I can, can I go Grombeck? I know he's in my team. I, I think he's like still pretty young. I just feel like he was so good. Um, Twenty two, maybe he's a little bit old for that actually. But um, uh, uh, well, yeah, fleeting moments, fleeting moments. Uh, <laughs> Perhaps, but um, yeah, I mean, it's always the question to how young do you go? I mean, like in the Premier League, the young player of the year can be like 24 under, can't he, or something? It's ridiculous, but um, I suppose in, in Norway, it needs to be someone maybe 19 and but I don't know. Fair enough. Uh, sounds like you're a bit on the fence there, but um, we'll let you off. Join us in part two where we will talk about uh, or Svenskan. I mean, all in all, Steve, have you in just a final question? Have you enjoyed this season of? I have. I have enjoyed it, mate. It's been a really good season. There's been a lot of goals. And when there's a lot of goals, I'm, I'm a happy man. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of twists and turns, a lot of surprises. And um, I think that's good for the league. It's, I, 
said before, the league, I think, is in a great place. The best teams really have been good. I like watching good football. I like watching good teams. You know, there was a year, wasn't there, where I was really down and depressed and not enjoying life with Norwegian football because it was just a hard watch. And then those, day, those days seem long gone now. So, yeah, um, I don't know if we... Are we talking fantasy later or... We'll do fantasy later. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to mention the, the elite series. We'll do that in this part. Go on, let's let's crown them right now. Let's well, crown okay, them yeah. the, the the league winner was Larry M for the Nordic Football Podcast League, and the name is Forsterman Till Moya, and I have no idea what that means at all. Um, I've not even <laughs> imagine if that's something really offensive. I haven't got a clue, but that's his team name. Anyway, two thousand and twenty points he finished on. He was 13th overall in the entire fantasy, and he was one of only 30 people who scored 2,000 points or more in the game this year. So, well done to Larry M. I also want to give a big shout-out to the top three in England this year, which was Andy Martin um, and Heskibo. And there were only three points separated, those two. I think they had a really good... Andy Martin, at one point, he might have been on to win the whole thing. I thought he was going to win the whole lot, Jonathan. I really did. Um he had a great thing. And then Samuel O'Toole was the third place finisher in England. Now, there's some really great fantasy minds in the game, but the Norwegians are so sharp. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't know what a translation means, but we, we've rattled enough cages there with Sean Constable's explosive comments. Um, so well done, Steve, for all your coverage this season as well. Excellent work editing the pod as you do year in, year out. Uh, stalwart, mate, stalwart you are. So, um, Join us in part two after this short break. We will be talking about Sweden. Obviously, the Osvenskan season finished a few weeks earlier than Norway, but we will wrap everything up and give out a few awards ourselves at the end of year Nordic Footpod 2023 show. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. This is part two of our season uh, or yearly review. Um, you're with Steve Wiss and Jonathan Vadubas here as well. We're going to be talking Sweden and Svenskan uh, very soon. But this, uh, just while we're here, I want to say thanks to all the listeners for 2023. This is our uh, actual 24th episode of the season. And uh, an interesting start here, Jonathan. It's our first episode, which is released uh, well, it should be released in January for four years. We haven't actually had a, an episode go in January for four years since 2019. So uh, new territory for the Nordic Football Podcast. We have been a bit more sporadic with our episodes uh, in, in 2023. So who knows in 2024? There might be some random ones at different times. Well, I wouldn't say sporadic. I think there's a clear distinction in the season. Obviously, I've started a master's degree. It's been tough. So <clears throat> I have to hold my hands up on that one. Uh, but, you know, life takes takes place sometimes. Uh, I want to give a massive thank you to all the listeners, of course. I also want to give a big shout out to our fans on Patreon supporters. Um, you know, they've really helped us keep going throughout the year. And I, I really appreciate each and every one of you. We did invite a fan onto the show, if those of you on Twitter have seen. Uh, big Sig was the candidate, but unfortunately he went out on a New Year's party. So uh, we got the constable in instead. But, um, of course, we we have a good relationship with our fans. And I think next season, you know, we'd like to get more of you involved. So if you do fancy coming on the show at some point, 
if you are a patron as, as well, of course, that you that is your right as a patron. You are entitled to come on the show uh, and say hello. So any I know that a lot of people like to be more quiet and a bit more in the background. So it's up to you. But uh, of course, give us a message if you do. And as always, like I say, Steve, um, <clears throat> I really, really appreciate the support of our patrons. Yeah, maybe one time we will do that live show, which I've uh, mentioned and threatened before, where you can all come in and grill grill us both with questions um and that may well happen in 2024 who knows but uh yeah back back to back to the football then Jonathan and uh Sweden and 2023 um I mean you've talked about this before because the season finished earlier we, we wrapped up the final rounds and things but just as a general whole um course of things what's your feelings about Sweden and Svenskan for, for for 2023 are you getting good vibes bad vibes was it for you a season Rate the season out of 10 for me. I would rate it as a 7 out of 10. <clears throat> I think that uh, we do have sort of ups and downs with this league. I think I think the one good thing about me and you, Steve, is that we're not propagandists. Like We're not like, the, we're not like Match of the Day or the Premier League where Jamie Redknapp will come out after a nil-nil draw between Fulham and Bournemouth and say, this is the best league in the world, you know what I mean? Or Jamie Carragher after five goal thriller f- laced with BAR mistakes and errors coming out and saying what a fantastic league we have. Like I, I, I don't buy into that. And uh, we have no reason to do PR, PR for these leagues, uh, unlike certain channels. But um, I think I would say that it started very well. Um, I give it a seven for two reasons, Steve, that disappointed me slightly. Number one uh, was the end of the season, which I thought was a real anticlimax. Um, the 45-minute break, I think it was, that basically stopped the match at half-time uh, in a, what could have been one of the best games in Osvenskan history, in my opinion. Malmo Elsborg for the title, just the fan trouble and everything like that. You know, the game stopped and it was symptomatic of the whole season in general, really. The amount of stoppages we had in so many big games. You could almost, Steve, probably set your watch to go for a run at half-time or at a certain point in some of these matches because you'd have a good, you know, you'd have a good 40 minutes free whilst the fan trouble was sorted out. So I think in a lot of the key big games, that was a real disappointment. And and I think for it to happen in a game that was literally winner takes it all for the title, it was just a bit of an anticlimax. Even even the way the game was won, a sort of soft, soft uh, decision, really, I think, penalty. I think it was just a bit of an anticlimax at the end of the season. And, and number two, it's just, it, it kind of is inevitable, I suppose, but just the fact that we lost so many top players uh, mid-season, I think there was... It's, it's it's inevitable with this league, so I can't really complain about that. It happens, and it's nice to see them move on. And you know what? I actually quite enjoyed watching some of the players in other leagues, Steve. Um, you know, some players, for example, move on to the Championship. You know, Benny Chowdhury, for example, at Sheffield United. It's been nice to keep tabs on some of these players in Germany and elsewhere. But from a league point of view, um, I go back to sort of when I was in Gothenburg, Steve, uh, with a good friend of the pod, Sam Hart, and just, uh, you know, watching some of the players at Hacken Newgarden. And literally about a month later, half of them were no longer in the league. So um, it just tells you that, you know, it's it's one of those leagues where your top performers, you don't get long to watch them, which is a, probably a bit of a shame for the Swedish supporter, I would imagine. And, and I think this season there was a lot of top players that left um, mid-season because they did so well. So those were the two reasons I'd give it a seven. I think the title race was very exciting, Malmo and Elfsborg. Obviously, Malmo won the league, came out triumphant on, on that last day. Bit of a shame for Elsborg the, the way it happened, I think, and that was where the anticlimax really, I, f- I felt, kind of took place. It could have just been, a, it could have been a blockbuster end. Didn't quite turn out that way, but it was built up so nicely. 
Um, and then the other thing is, of course, Steve, that, you know, some of the teams this season, you, you know, we've, we've heard Sean Constable go off on, on, on the show earlier and certain big clubs in Norway. Um, same thing applied to certain clubs in Sweden. There was a few teams this season that really, I think, let themselves down a little bit. And uh, some of the smaller teams actually were the teams that I looked to for the best football in terms of just general performance levels and attacking football. So taking all that into account, I'd say a solid sort of seven out of 10 um, could do better, but was still very enjoyable. And on a personal note, Steve, being able to get back out to Sweden, obviously for the first time uh, since the pandemic and get to Gothenburg and revisit the old stomping ground. That was a, a lovely uh, moment for me. Yeah. Well, well said actually there. I think I'd actually give a Litasarian 10 out of 10, you know, for the season. I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, it was, it had everything in the elite Serian, but it's not always the case that way. And you're right, I feel like the first half of the season of Asfenskan was was exceptional. Um, I, I couldn't get a true feel of the teams for the second half. And I think a lot of it is to do with the player transfers in and out. Constant matches getting suspended for crowd trouble and things like that. That starting to annoy me. You, um, I'm pleased that you managed to get out there in, into Sweden again. I mean, I think probably uh, I need to get myself out there to Scandinavia. Maybe not 20. Who knows? Maybe 2024. I don't know, Jonathan. Uh, you know, I think uh, if I can get the wife to let me go, she might give me a might let me uh, go off to Scandinavia. What do you say? Sure, <laughs> she says sure, whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. I'm pleased that you managed to. I think I, can, I feel like this year you've kind of. You've you've stayed in love with the game of, of, of Sweden as fencing again, which it's not has always been the case for you. But um, you asked me a couple of teams uh, that sort of uh, pleasantly surprised you, and a couple of teams that didn't. So I suppose I've got to ask you the same. Name me at least one team in either direction um, who wore were tops and flops. Yeah, good question. I think I mean. Where where do you start to be honest? I mean, should we wait for my flops of the year or should we just get into it straight away? Uh but two two standout flops. Um I'll start with tops though. Let's be positive, Steve. Uh Vinamo finishing fifth, absolutely unbelievable achievement. Only their second ever season in an Alsvenskan. Uh and they have probably the smallest budget, if not the bottom three budget, should be competing for relegation. Uh for them to win 14 games out of 30. Uh, with that budget is a testament to the coaching um, and it's the reason why obviously Kim Helbo's got the, a job at, at Hammerby and was linked to Sunderland of course uh, for those who have followed since the season ended Kim Helberg the Varnum manager has left David Salini of course who was on the show last year he'll be joining him at Hammerby massive club with the departure of obviously Sir Fuentes to uh, QPR who's doing pretty well there so far um, so Varnum for me big tick Kalmar had an okay season in sixth but I thought they were a little bit I think they they sort of um they dealt well internally with the replacing of Henrik Wiestrom, but I didn't think they were like, say, necessarily stand out. You know, 35 goals in 30 games meant they were a little bit, you know, they weren't sort of like blockbuster, but they were just solid. And that's a good end of the season for them. Obviously, um, shout out to uh, loyal supporters of the podcast who are Kalmar fans. I do want to go out to Kalmar as soon as I can at some point. Um, I think I'd like to experience a Kalmar game in my lifetime. So, um, yeah, Elsborg, of course, they were a massive. Uh, they played a central part in this th- in this season. I think you could actually argue Elsborg were the team of the season for me. Um, I think they they made it a title race when so many other teams flopped. Um, Hacken, 
their adventures in Europe was very exciting. And I think, you know, although it ended quite badly, just in general, they're always an exciting team. But they again got picked away in the summer. Um, serious, although I did have. <laughs> you had. Right, I was just thinking back to your rants of the year. I think there was at least two or three. Degafor, serious, and there was someone else, I'm sure, probably EF Core. Um, but you had some well, well, really was good rants this year, mate. I could argue like a top five of them almost, you know. I think Varberg was. I don't think I ranted about AFC, but Varberg. Varberg, that was it. Varberg. <laughs> yeah. But uh, serious. After my rant, uh, who anyone who might remember that you can go back. But they actually, I found them one of the most entertaining teams in the league. They had some brilliant games. I mean, the, the four three with Degafors. That game was incredible. Uh, was it four three or five four? But yeah, that you know they were involved in some top game series. I, I enjoyed watching them. Uh, not necessarily in the first half of the season, anyway. Pre pre rant. But um, when we move on to the flop, Steve, I'd have to say that. Obviously, there's a few standouts. I think, I think Varberg boys, you know, it was too, it was a year too far for them, really. Uh, back, back down they go. Um, I did say in preseason that I thought they'd finish bottom. I think, and I, and I think that's where they, that is where they finish comfortably by, you know, eleven points rock bottom. Um, you know, not even Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, was as took as many rock bottoms as they have uh, last this season. Some of the games they played in. Um, were you know an embarrassment? I think I'm trying to think who would win a playoff out of Arlesund and Varberg because they were both had about 100 losses between, didn't they, this season? But yeah, go on. Sorry, yeah. I mean, I think back to the serious 7 0 Varberg um game where Varberg just gave up basically. I remember them having a team talk at like tw- after like 26 minutes on the pitch, just like 4 0 down or whatever, just being like, what, what do we do here? Um, but yeah, they they were really poor, and I think you know the manager obviously left mid season, went to Denmark, that kind of thing. Um, and then a lot of the big boys, Steve, I think disappointed this year really. Hammerby, um, although they finished kind of in a respectable position in the end, in kind of like seventh, thought they were very disappointing um, overall. And that's why Marty Spencer probably thought about leaving. Uh, I thought that AIK were really really bad. Um, Henningberg came in, and I don't think much improved. Really, they just about scraped um, to get out of relegation by three points. Um, EF Koyotoburg, of course. You know the game I saw, they 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 beat Dekafors six nil, but of course uh, they nearly went down and they needed to beat Var. They had a you know they had to rely on beating Varberg in the last game of the season uh, just to stay up. And I, th- I thought that you know a narrow win at Varberg in the ninety fifth minute, they, they celebrated it as if they'd won the Champions League. So. Um, Although I'm a massive, you know, they've got a soft spot here for my heart. I think, I think it was, I thought the scenes were a little, I, I think Roy Keane would have been disgusted seeing those scenes. Imagine if Manchester United, I mean, EF Core, you could level as Manchester United of Sweden in a way. Imagine if uh, United had celebrated that hard from get, avoiding relegation on the final day. Um, I think Roy Keane. I can, would, just, I can just hear him now. It's like, what, what are you celebrating for? Do your job. It's a job, job to finish outside. Yeah, he, yeah, he would, job he to would finish. So um, I thought that although they survived, and I can understand the emotion behind it, I thought I, I thought that they had a really bad season ultimately, even though they recruited well and 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 got out of it. But they they really could have gone down. So th- those were the sort of highlights of mm. team wise. The title race was, although I know the last game of the season was a bit of a disappointment. Um, you know, what it, it did go the wire. It was decided by goal difference. And Malmo are back in the... They seem to have a habit of this. They win a title and they don't win one, then they win it the next year. And they're back on track. Um, the first sort of 10 games, I thought they were brilliant this year, but uh, Elfsborg reeled them in. Um, you know, were they champion, Jonathan? Or, I mean, did did the best team lose out? 
I, I never subscribe to the fact that it, I think the team that wins the league is the worthy champion. So I think Mama are worthy champions, but I think they they scraped home massively. Um, Elfsborg had a really really good season, and I, I feel like it would have been a good story for them to win it because um, they were a really good team. But I think this season, Steve, I think Malmo got away with it a little bit in the sense of I think Hacken and Elfsborg lost key players to the transfer window, um, whereas Malmo were able to buy, and that that's where being a big club with money can have a good impact on you. Malmo Malmo played well this season, uh, like you said, they started the season on, on fire. Everybody thought they'd win it comfortably. I obviously, in my season predictions, I had them to win the league and I thought they would win the league um, and they have won the league, but I didn't think it would be so close. They, they kind of had post-summer, they just really stumbled in a lot of games. Um, <clears throat> they, they, they really suffered from a few departures, but fortunately for them, they were able to dip into the transfer market and get enough quality, you know, the likes of Pontus Janssen, Otto Rosengren coming in, um, just to sort of see them over the not necessarily to be amazing, but to see them over the line. I mean, even Keith Tellings, if you look at it, he, he's finished the league I think the top scorer in the league, but his tally, you'll tell me, but I think it was one of the lowest there's been in, in recent years. His actual goal tally in terms of top scorers um, for a top goal scorer in Old Svenskan. <clears throat> and I didn't think he had an amazing season really. And he's ended up sort of, if you look at comparing to Pellegrino, uh, who was just unbelievable, you know, you can see the contrast just in, in the top goal scorers alone in terms of Keith Teller wasn't amazing, but he's somehow ended up top scorer, mainly Steve, because the two, I think the two scorers below him or two or three scorers below him all left. Uh, Traore, Radiovic, you know, the likes of Yepi Ockels and so, so um, sorry, uh, not Yepi Ockels, but um, other players, Andrejka uh, as an example. So, yeah, I think that that's where Malmo, I would say that they just about got over the line. Henrik Riesdrom in his first season, you've got to give them massive praise, Malmo, that they've had some really top performers. Don't forget some of them in my team in the season, which we'll talk about. So, you know, all in all, I think they're worthy champions. But I do feel that the biggest contributing factor, I think, to Malmo winning the league was the biggest contenders to them losing their key players at certain times. The likes of Gustav Lagerbilke going to Celtic, um, for example, Roma, who left. Um, for Hacken, of course, Benny Traore uh, and Sadiq as well, who was incredible at times in the season. So I think that was a big factor as well, Steve. Lars Olden Larsen, you know, at Hacken as well leaving so that the really key players uh for the title champions both left and then it was a case of teams like Eurogard and Hammerby just just were not to it this year yeah you did predict them as champions I'm just looking back at your season tips now I'll give you give you it this year you beat me in terms of um league positions you you had a good year you predicted Marmo first you got uh Kalmar in in sixth place um which I think was an exact spot you, you had Mialbi in ninth and Norshipping in tenth which was you switched them around and you were accurate there. You had Hecken in second, Jorgart in third, which is pretty close. You had Varberg to go down. Um, you had Bromma Poik in a bottom, but and they finished in, in you know third bottom. You you said Halmstad would survive and they did. You've had a good year. You've had a pretty good. I mean, you know, obviously Elfsborg surprised everyone and uh, EFC and Aik. We couldn't. No one could have seen that. But yeah, fair play, John. I think you got to uh, yeah hold you put yourself on the back a little bit, back, back a little bit. Um, yeah, not you, sure how many um, I, got. I think last year I did better to be fair in terms uh, of exact positions, probably. Yeah. But I think in the general trend of your table, yeah. you, you, you had a good feel <clears> of the teams pre season. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think, I think I also have to, in terms of teams that I missed out on there, you've got to say, uh, you've got to give a massive shout out to Elspore. I think under Jimmy Telling this season, they've been fantastic. I think they've probably been the best team in terms of um, the team that most surprised me in a lot of games 
you know, I think back to sort of your garden away, for example, some of the games like beating Malmo, they had certain games this season where I thought they were really like, Elfsburg were the team that really stuck the, they stuck the course, didn't they? And it was just a shame they couldn't get over the line in the last game. And I felt it was a shame it came down to a penalty, really. They, you know, in a way, almost, it's quite weird, isn't it, Steve? When you have a title decided like that, you almost think extra time, you know, or a two-legged game would be good or something like that. You know what I mean? It almost felt like that kind of game, didn't it, where you wanted like a second leg or something. But um, it's the league title and at the end of the day, Mama got over the line and that's what champions do. You know, that's why they are the champions. Yeah, it's uh, they, well done to them. They, they got over the line and... Um... And, and like you say, now now we will move on to, to your team of uh, the season. Um, so, yeah, let's get straight into it, uh, Jonathan. Um, what's your lineup and uh, who are you going with? Yeah, I've been an about this one. So, um, you know, let, let, let's start off. Uh, firstly, I'm going for a bit of an old school uh, formation, Steve. You know, you, you, you commented on it when you saw the lineup. Um, it's a it's a four four two, which is very sort of old school Roy Hodgson. It's a flat four four two as well, isn't it? <laughs> it depends <laughs> how you want to play it, but yeah, I think in goal uh, I've gone for uh, Valdemarsson at Ellsborg. I think that he had a fantastic season. I don't think that you could really leave him out. There's certain games he was a bit rash, um, but I think he missed certain matches and they they they, they struggled without him. And I felt that he was just uh, a, a really a class above most. Um, Hakon Raffen Valdemarsson. I think he had a really, really good season. So fair play to him. <clears throat> Congratulations to him for Elfsburg. Um, sort of a good shot stopper, someone who made some big, big saves at certain times. I remember there was one or two games in the season where he pulled out some unbelievable saves. Um, so in big moments, he could stand up. He, he, he's decent. I mean, he's not a probably a keeper that rushes off his line, but he, he can do that at times. Uh, at times he got it wrong once or twice, but I think that in general he was very, very solid, and just I think as the season went along, he he started to establish himself as one of the best um, keepers in in the league, from in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a fair call. Uh, he, he he stood out for me whenever whenever I saw him. Um, you've gone with a flat back four, and players from four different teams. So so run through these for us. Yeah, now this is really hard because I had to sort of um, um and ah really about some of them now. Let's take, for example, the right-back position. Um, I've gone with Johan Larsson of Ellsborg. Um, I really thought long and hard about Rui Modesto for AOK, but I just felt that, for example, they, you know, in his first season, in, as a debut season, in a, you know, as a rookie in the league, I thought he was outstanding, Modesto at times. But I also think the fact that AOK had just such a bad year, I don't think they can have a team of this, player in the team of the season. Larsson was just solid, you know, captain material, captain leader. Um, certain games, he just breezes through them. I, someone who had just eventually had to sort of just accept defeat Steve and just put him in my fantasy team. I think I've res I resisted him for two years, really. And Well, it worked for you, didn't it? It was actually attacked. You finally cottoned on to the Johan Larson and he, and he paid dividends for you. I think it was more the case of people didn't gain on, on Larson with, against you. I tried to sort of um, ignore him for a while and tried to think outside the box of how I could get around people selecting. But sometimes, Steve, if you can't beat them, join them. And, and, and he delivered. I mean, he gets goals, he gets assists. Um, the one game where they could have won a title, of course, remember that Degafors match in the you know, second last game where they threw it away. There was that three on one, Steve. I mean, the, those sort of moments were the moments that Elspeth just threw, threw the title away a little bit. But you, you kind of just felt that he was someone who was so key to them, you know, just being involved in the race in the first place, to be honest. So, um, you know, he got an assist in that game, I remember, and he, he nearly got the winner, I think, if I remember rightly, in that, in that Degafors match, which would have won in the league. 
you know, what a story that is, Steve, by the way, throwing it away to a relegated side. All they had to do was win that game at home, second last game, and they would have been champions. So in a way, Elsborg kind of had bottled the league in a sense, but Larson gets in there. Uh, other right side, So centre-backs I've gone for, Marcus Danielson of Eurogard. I think he was the one true standout for, for Diff uh, in a pretty average year. They weren't bad necessarily, but they weren't great. I think they, I think Eurogarden fans would expect better things. Um, but Danielson, someone who came back obviously from China and put in a really standout season for them. He, he just picked up where he left off. He's obviously a, he's a title winning captain, isn't he, Steve? He's a bit older now, getting on a bit, but fantastic in both boxes, you know, from set pieces in the air. He's really dominant. He actually showed a bit of a penchant for uh, splitting defence passes as well. He, you know, his ability on the ball is a bit underrated, I think, at times. He, he really brings the ball out from the back at times, especially against low block teams who sit back. He's very good at sort of maybe making runs into the, you know, into the opponent's half and maybe just on the edge of the centre circle, or inside, just inside the area and, and threading passes through into the forwards. He's actually quite good at that. And I think he picked up a few assists that way. Um, the other centre-back I've gone for, this was a controversial one. I could have gone for many. I could have gone for Cornelius at Malmo, for example. Um, could have gone for Gustav Lagerbilke at Elsborg, and I wanted to, but I felt that the fact that he left the league and I've already got two Elsborg players in, in my sort of defensive unit, uh, might be a bit too much. So I've gone for a bit of a left field one. He he, he does technically belong to Malmo, but uh, he's been at Mialbi. Um You could argue that you could pick some of the other Mialbi uh, defenders. Um, a shout out to sort of Rossler, for example. I thought he, was, he had a really good season. Tom Pet- Pettersson had a really good year, I thought, as well. But I've gone for Noah Isla. I think in terms of ceiling, I think he's a really talented young, young player. Um, there's a game, I think, against Malmo, actually, his parent club, who where he was phenomenal. Uh, for Mialbi and they they gave them a bit of a bloody nose didn't they uh, Mialbi against Malmo um, he is owned by them of course but uh, he, you know his loan spell there was fantastic and I just think as a young talent I think Noel is probably going to go on there's a lot of rumours about an, uh, a move maybe to MLS coming so you know I could see him stepping up to a new league um, and I know it's a bit of a tangent Steve but just watching Arma Hodzic uh, in recent weeks at Sheffield United I was just thinking to myself it's incredible isn't it to see someone like him I think he captained Sheffield United at one point, which is yeah, like... I saw him get bullied off the ball by the Luton's attacker, and I was like, hmm. But uh, yeah, it was still interesting to see because I saw him at Bordeaux as well, of course. Can I just say, I, I like this pick because Melbourne's defensive numbers were really good. They had the second best defensive record away from home as well. So I think it's a very fair call that one of their players does get in this team. Yeah, and I think we have to give a shout out to Anders Torsten as well. The, the defensive unit there, they were never really in much trouble, despite the fact that they've had sort of like they're not they're not they don't have a big budget themselves. Um so they have done well, you know, maybe not as well as Varnamo. And I did think about which Varnamo player you could include, but I think as a unit Varnamo were more of a team unit than say having standout individuals. Um so yeah, no I love gone for. I think he will have a decent career. Like don't know if he'd get to Arma Hodzic levels and play in the Premier League, but I, I certainly think he's a, a really promising talent. Um, and as I say, Almahoz, it's just on him. I know you, you, what you just said there, but I think it was great to see him kind of, um, you know, just playing at the Premier League level. You don't get many from all fans going into the, you know, into their prime in the Premier yeah, League. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same. I, I, whenever I see players from, you know, Osvenskorn or Elite Assyrian, you know, Sander Berger, example, as well, um, and just seeing them actually playing at the top level, it's, that is such a high level. But, you know, fair play to them for actually getting there even if it isn't always, you know, the really elite standards. Um, be a fair play captain of Sheffield United in the Premier League. Can't knock that, can you, really? 
yeah, really impressive achievement, especially especially in a short space of time. Um, left back, I've gone for Busanello of Malmo. Uh, for me, pound for pound, the best defender in the league all round. I think he was phenomenal, uh, especially in the early part of the season where he kind of really just provided something really different to any other team in the league from that left back role. Uh, he can attack, and can defend. He acted well as a sort of like a, a second winger. Um, you know, playing passes off the off the, the likes of um, Vecchia and Anasi, and then coming in, cutting inside, either hitting a shot or putting in a pinpoint cross. Like just just a real dangerous attacking outlet, and and really good defensively. I think you could argue he was actually one of the best players, maybe maybe top five in the league. Actually, I think you could argue this season uh, all round. There was a few games he missed where they missed him as well. I felt so. Busanello is my left back, and that takes us to midfield. Yeah, I think Busanello is a candidate for player of the year, actually. I think he was so solid, uh, really, especially the first sort of 15, 20 games. Um, now, your team's a bit different to mine. There are some players included here who are um, who've left the league. Um, I mean, we, we talked early on that there were so many big departures. And uh, this, it starts here in midfield. But let's go through the, this uh, midfield. We've got two central midfielders and obviously a left mid and a right mid. So I go through it. Yeah, this is more about trying to fit in the right players into the right hole. So it's not necessarily that I want to play a 4-4-2 necessarily. Um, but I think that I had to get Sebastian Anasi in there, really. I thought I thought about this, and he wasn't originally in my first hit, uh, draft. But I was like, you can't really ignore what he's done. Uh, I've, wrote a, I've written a Scout blog about him. So you can check that out on the Huddle blog um, with our partners Scout. Just going into the details, he's, he's been fantastic. He gets goals, he gets assists, he's dynamic. Um, he's been linked with big clubs. I think that he's probably going to be sold quite soon for a, for a big fee. Um, really good between the lines. He 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 makes that sort of final third passes really well. Uh, as I said, linking up with sort of Bucinello, he he's a really good link player. Um, reminds me in certain way of a bit of Martinelli at Arsenal sometimes in, in the way he kind of like is able to stand a player at one on one and then go go either side of them. Um, and just link off other players. Maybe not as quick, obviously, as Martinelli, but just in, in terms of the, his intricate style. Um, and I, I really like him, and I think he was a massive part of Malmo's title win. I think he, he did dip a little bit towards the end of the season, but I think the whole Malmo team dipped, really, to be honest. So um, I think he's fully deserving in this place, and I, I think you could definitely say, Steve, he's one of the young players of the season in in Osvenska. Yeah, and I agree. I think Nass is really good at right mid. You put him in the team as your right midfield, right? Yeah, yeah he's going to go right mid, I'm afraid, because I've got to have a left midfielder and I've gone for a Hamidby player. Uh, I'm going for Viktor Jokanovic now. Probably wouldn't have originally been in my team, but I wanted a bit of variety. Um, was he one of the 11 best players in the league? Probably not. But in terms of variety, I felt like he has to be in it. Uh, funny thing with him is, Steve, he didn't actually get a huge amount of minutes. He, he played in sort of 30-odd games, but he didn't get a huge amount of minutes. But despite that, he still managed to get 11 goals. So I feel like he's he's basically getting in there because, you know, that is, I think, an incredible goal record for the number of minutes he got. Um, he was often on the bench um, for Sifuentes' side. Uh, it's his first season in Os Svenskan. Um, and he he really took to it like a, a duck to water, to be honest. I think he's an outstanding talent. I, I mentioned, I think, on Twitter at one point that he, you know, the, the goal he scores... I mean, Steve, 1,584 minutes, 11 goals. You, you know, the only person who compares is maybe Benny Traore with 1,311 minutes before his big move. Everyone else in the top goal scorers pretty much has scored, has, has played 2,000 minutes minimum, some of them 2,500-ish. Uh, the likes of Kisa Tellin, 2,642 minutes. 
um, you know, Nanasi two seven one six minutes. So to score eleven goals in one thousand five hundred eighty four minutes, I think is incredible. Um, Nineteen year old, I really think he's got a massive future, uh, the Montenegrin, and he therefore I think I've decided to put him in as a as, as the left left winger. Like I say, I wanted a bit of variety. There's many other candidates. Like I thought about Tashrik Matthews, for example, at Sirius. Um, there's a few other players I could have maybe put in there, but I think all in all, Jukanovic, he's he's not going to be in Osvenska game for long, so may as well do it while I can. Um, and then two centre midfielders I've gone for Hugo Larson. Um, I know that he left mid-season, but I think he is probably, arguably, the best talent that's ever come out of Osvenska in, in our time doing this podcast. Um, and that's a, quite a big statement, but he's already a first-team regular at Frankfurt in the Bundesliga. Usually, an 18, 19-year-old kid from Osvenskan goes to a team like that and is on the bench for long periods of time and needs two, three years to adapt if they even make it, maybe a loan spell away. Uh, he has literally gone straight into their first team and he's playing pretty much week in, week out, I think, at the moment. Um, an outstanding talent. I do think Malmo's second half of the season hangover was in part because of Larson's departure. Uh, they couldn't turn down that fee. I mean, they got more than £10 million for him. Incredible fee for an 18-year-old at the time. But I just think that, um, you know, he, he just gels midfield so well. He brought an air of confidence, an air of class. And I just felt that when he left, they, although they have Pena, who's a good player, um, I didn't quite feel that they really recovered from his departure in terms of just that all-round stability, um, especially in transition moments. So Larson, um, I think even though he played a half season, he deserves to be in there. And then I've got Mikel Rigaud at, at Bikohak. And I think that, you know, he's an outstanding footballer. Some of the goals he scored, just out of this world, really. Such a good um, technical footballer. Um, massive part of their title win the year before. I think Hacken could have won the title again if they'd kept their players, maybe, this year. But they they lost too many in mid-season. And um, Rigaud stayed had a dip once or twice, just due to age, especially when Europe started. But um, I think he, he he's, a, he's arguably the best midfielder in the league um, after last year's departure, of course, as well and uh, fully deserves to be in our team of the season. Uh, the two strikers that you put in uh, have also sadly departed the league. <laughs> yeah, we've got, uh, what is it, at least four players on this list that have, that have left the league pretty much or are leaving. Um, but yeah, up front I've gone for Mileta Radjevic, now of Watford, uh, formerly of Kalmar, and I've gone for Benny Traore at Beko Hakan. Now, of course, probably... You know, could have gone for Weru Ali, for example, at Sirius, who really impressed me as well. Another player who scored a lot of goals with very few minutes. Um, Wasem Abu Ali, I think he's going to be one to watch next season. Uh, had a really, really good second half of the season after joining Sirius. Probably kept them up, to be honest, with his 10 goals. Uh, but I've gone for Troyre, not Kisa Tellin, um, because I felt like Troyre is just such a massive player for them. Don't think they recovered when he left. Um, I think the re- the replacements didn't quite do as well. Hurstich was was a was massive downgrade. Uh, Leuni did quite well, but you know he's a different kind of player to Chouri, probably more of a wide player. Um, Kiza Tellin could feel a bit, little bit hard done by, but I've got I've got three Malmo players. I think so. I think I'm gonna have to. He's gonna have to miss out on this one. I don't think 16 goals in a 30 game season is necessarily a you know um, can't be not in it if that makes sense. I think he, he it doesn't mean he has to be in it. Uh, Radjevic only got seven goals in in the Svensk game, to be fair. But I mentioned it many times. I mentioned it when we, when he moved to Watford. Just I, th- I think he's a tank of a player, and I just really think he's a he's a he's a potentially 
I think he potentially could play in the Premier League next uh, in the next few years as well. I know that he scored a few goals at Watford. I know that also there's been some um, comments that he might he, he probably might need to improve a bit, become a bit more robust all round. But I, I think there's a real player in there somewhere. So um, I decided to go for Raji, which I just think that he he did so well to get the move. I think it's good scouting from Watford and um, didn't really see. I could have maybe you know if you look at the top scorers in the league. Could have maybe picked Gustav Engvall, won 11 goals as well. Uh, could have, obviously, Ockels, I, I quite liked him. I thought about a 4-5-1, but Ockels, um, I, you know, didn't want to have too many Elfsborg players. Um, Andrejka was one I thought about, but he, he left quite early. So, all in, Matthews is another one I could have put in if I'd gone for a 4-5-1, maybe. But I think all in all, um, I'm pretty happy with that 4-4-2 that team and having Radjevic and Chori up front. Yeah, that's a proper pairing, by the way. Like, Troyer and Radjevic, little and large, big man, pacey player. I like that pairing. Uh, that feels like it belongs in, like, 1990s Premier League, doesn't it? Um, coach of the season, who are you going with? Yeah, coach of the season, Jimmy Tellin. Uh, linked with the, uh, obviously, Sweden national team job um, at the end of the year. And I think, in general, just 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 been really good. This is the year that he's proved to me, in, in my, like, any doubts I had maybe about him have gone. I think he's a top manager now for this level. Maybe could be the next sort of Kim Helberg or, or um, Marty Fuentes in terms of maybe getting a big job elsewhere abroad, maybe. Um, I thought about Henrik Ries, Germany. He's probably a bit hard, hardly done by there, but because they've got a much bigger budget I just and, and the ability to spend, I just feel that Ries Drummond is sort of just misses out. Um, although I do think he's a top coach and I do think he's completely transformed Malmo, so I think he deserves massive praise for that. But, but telling, I think the fact that they lost some key players and still challenged for the title, um, they had a lot of doubts about them and they kept going. There was a lot of teams that fell away, but they didn't. And I think that is a testament to their sort of resilience. Um, even though they threw it away, winning the league really against Degafors, um, which they'll be kicking themselves about for years to come, I think. I just feel that he, telling really, he kept the title race alive, really. Every other team would have been well out of it. Malmo would have won it easily if it wasn't for Elsborg. So, um, I've gone for Jimmy Tellin. Top three, uh, Jimmy Tellin one, Henrik Rees, John number two, just narrowly number two. And number three, I've gone for Kim Helberg at Varnamo. Uh, absolutely outstanding achievement at Varnamo, what he's done. And uh, it's sad to say, but I think Varnamo could be a candidate for relegation next year, just off the straight off the bat, um, because mm. I think the coaching level of Varnamo, they might not have a player in the team in the season, but as a, as a coached unit, I think they're one of the best in Osvenskan. I think they're co- they they get the absolute maximum out of every single player, Kim Helberg. And uh, I think he's got a big future in the game. I'm really interested to see Hammerby next year. That's going to be one to watch, I think. Can he can he can he break the Hammerby curse? Um so those are my top three. Yeah, I think it's a fair point with telling that everyone media prediction was mid table. So for them to actually you know lose the title on goal difference is is a fair achievement. Uh before we go, player of the season and young player of the season. Yeah, I haven't even named my player of the season yet. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's not even on the spreadsheet. Steve doesn't even know who it is. Oh, I, oh, I, exactly. I, I was really thinking that you're going to surprise me with with a player. I'm like, I don't know. I'm looking forward to hearing who it is. He's panicking. Um, he doesn't even know. We know we know the young player of the year um, is, is Hugo, Larson. Yeah, Hugo Larson. Yeah, Hugo Larson is my young player of the year. Uh, I don't think that there's anyone really better than him. Um, as a young player, I, 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 second place would be Mamadou Sonko at Beko Aken. Um, I've heard he's been linked with very big clubs at the moment and he had a really good end to the season. 
he was a bit hit and miss early in the season, but he's still a teenager. So, you know, he's, you can see he's already growing in the absence of Sadiq. Uh, but yeah, I think my player of the season, I'm actually going to name as... Gonna give it to Busanello, Steve. Yeah, I thought you would. I agree. I do agree with you. I was just looking at your team of the year here, and I was thinking this is my fantasy de- fantasy demise in a nutshell. And the two players, especially, were Busanello and uh, Mikel Rygard, who I just did not cotton on to early enough. I didn't believe in them, especially Rygard, um, but they had monster years, and. Um, I suppose Rygaard would be would have been a contender as well, wouldn't he, for Player of the Year, really? But Busanello was just exceptional. I yeah, I mean, that. the offense scan official awards gave it to Nanasi, which I think is fair enough. I just think that um, defenders don't get enough love in these awards, do they? Mm, Unless they're sort of like rugged centre backs. I don't think le- that's not very fashionable to give a left back Player of the Year, but I, but why not? You know, why not? He's, he's, he's above he's above all offense scan level. Uh, he was consistent as he liked. Every single mm. game he showed up. You know, that it's rare that, you know, players week in, week out just putting him top before. He reminds me a bit of Patrice Evra in his prime. Just week in, week out, you could guarantee a level of performance. Doesn't have a weakness, really. Um, not at this level. I mean, obviously, if he went mm. higher, you never yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, at this level, I just thought he was week in, week out. If you look at Malmo's all-round package, he was really key for them, as, as key as an NRC, in my opinion. So, yeah, why not? I think it's a great call. Great call. And it's been a great year here on the Nordic Football Podcast. I don't know if you've got any closing thoughts, Jonathan, but um, I mean, it's been a bumper episode, probably over two hours, I think, when we um, count it back or not far off. And uh, we look forward. I'm actually in the mood now. for. I'm looking forward to like March, April when these these get back. I'm kind of itching at it. Well, yeah, I was going to say it's two hours, but you you won't be seeing us till, uh, until about March. So uh, you can well, you can listen to it over two months if you want. Um but yeah, we will actually try and come back with a few episodes. Uh, there are a few little things in the pipeline, Steve. Saromi Cup. We can't comment on it <laughs> yeah, uh, necessarily. Um, but my final comment is probably fantasy related. Finally knocked you off your perch. I uh, finished 35th oh, yeah. in the Nordic League. And you finished 49th. So uh, delighted to, was to, to knock I you was back shocking. In 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 the elite in uh, our Svenskan fantasy this year, I was nowhere near. I was way off with some players. Delighted um, to end your reign. That was a personal <laughs> mission of mine this year. And uh, in terms of the winners, actually, just before we go, uh, top eight I'll name. We've got James Donnelly in eighth, a Texi, good season for him, one thousand eight hundred thirty-two points. B- BK Speeders seventh, Hakan Rosenborg one eight three seven, Mingus in Sweden, Andre Bugiak one eight three eight, Svensson Blues fifth, Martin Smith one eight four eight. Sam Hart, friend of the pod. I think it was the Rajovic hat-trick early on when I was in Gothenburg when last minute I told him to put Rajovic in his team and he captained him. Uh, that was surely the start of it all, but he gets 1849 in fourth place. Third Disguise Association, Michael Tilburg, 1859. A lot of 10-point margins here, honestly. Um, second place, Olympic Mayonnaise, Larry McKee, 1876. Hold on a minute. Is that this, do you reckon that's the same Larry M who won Elite Assyrian Fantasy? Could be actually. Could be. I could well. Larry, be. Larry, you've got to let us know. Is is that the same Larry M as a leader set? Because if if so, that guy is smashed fantasy. If so, he's, year an actually, in our he's a fantasy legend. But number one, there's only one winner. Mamo are the only winners in the Svenskan, despite it being very close. And in the Old Svenskan Fantasy Nordic Football Podcast League, 
it's Mr. Sponchy or Mrs. Sponchy or just Sponchy. SP 1,902 points. Comfortable winner. Really great end to the season because the 16 point gap there was a big contributor. But uh, congratulations, Sponchy. Yeah, well done to everyone in our Svenskan fantasy. I'll be raring to go next year. I'm expecting uh, a rebound from me. Uh, I really need it. Um, but well done to you, Jonathan. You had a solid year in fantasy. I will say that. You um, you identified two or three key players early and, and stuck with the hot hand. That's what you got to do, right? Even Lalita Serian, I wasn't I wasn't in the relegation this year, which is, you to me, a, good year, fantasy. Bigger, a bigger achievement, I think, than even in... Uh, Svenskan, but uh, no, it's been a fantastic year. Obviously, as I mentioned, from September doing the Masters has been very challenging finding the time, but um, I appreciate all the listeners and, and your patience. So, uh, and to you, Steve, as well, my colleague, for your loyal support, as always. So, um, has... I'll be here for 2023. Yeah, it's been a pleasure doing it with you, Jonathan. Um, thanks to the listeners, thanks to the patrons, and all you guys who comment and, and, and everything like that. And uh, we'll be back, we'll be back. I don't know when exactly. I mean, say so this is our first episode in January for uh, four years, so we don't usually um, don't expect too much before the end of this month. But who knows what the spring may bring? And uh, all I can say to you out there is: do stay safe, winter well, and be ready for the return of the Scandinavian leagues. And one thing, one other thing, I'd say is keep your subscription feeds live. Don't cancel anything because we may have one or two big things popping up out of the blue on your feeds things are going on behind the scenes we are contacting people you might have one or two yes. things at your sleeve it's very true that um not sure we're gonna get a Rosenborg guest after the um the interview <laughs> earlier but uh i would never no chance of getting one anyway um <laughs> anyway but uh yeah thanks to all our guests this year as well who have come on the show and uh we look forward to more 2024 so goodbye everyone take care follow us on the socials and do hit that like button and the subscribe button on youtube if you've not already so, yeah. yeah one thing i finally say is if you if you are able in this in this sort of uh off-season gap it's really important if we do get any comments on itunes or youtube if you can leave comments about the show uh we really do appreciate it because reviews do help us a lot um especially on itunes so um and spotify so yeah give us a rating if you can subscribe to the youtube uh, follow us at nordic foot pod and uh, we shall see you very soon <laughs>